We're live. We're here. We are live. We're live. Sports Detention Podcast. Potty, how you going? Mate, I am doing really well. We're back again three times in six days. Yes, yes. We've gone gone early this week. We've gone early this week. But, um, you know, our mission, our mission to promote this movement, Mm, this sports movement, our mission continues. Beautiful, beautiful thing, isn't it, mate? Mm. And, uh, you know, listeners, great to have you with us again. We love you. Uh, so much to get through. So much to get through. So much to get through. So without further ado, mate, should we just rip in? Let's do it. Potty, we're here, we're live, we're back. We are, mate. We are rolling. Mm. We are rolling. Could I say better than ever? Why not? Yeah. Why not? I think so. Um, Mate, we've got a jam-packed podcast tonight, so should we jump right into what's caught our eye? Mate, what has caught your eye? What's caught my eye, mate? Um, The Restaurant Fire. Have you ever heard of it? Um, how's it spelled? F-I-R-E or... F-Y-R-E. Like the festival. Mm, yeah. Mm, oh, I mean, that sounds like an awful restaurant. <laughs> it does, it does, it does. You know who doesn't like it? Uh, I don't know, mate. I was, I, I mean, it might be my mind. I just keep going back to that guy who was willing to do it all for the bottled water. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> mate, vegans. Vegans? Vegans don't ah. like it. So yes. fire restaurant, which I believe it's, unli- it's unlike them to have an opinion. Well, you know, usually usually keep it pretty uh, close to the chest, don't they? Mm. Uh, but uh, fire restaurant, which is pretty flash restaurant by the look of it, had a look at their um, few images and whatnot online, um, yep. and it caught my eye the other day that uh, Chef John Mountain has banned all vegans from his restaurant. Put because, a line through them. Yeah, put a line through them because of the personal attack that he has been getting. Okay. Uh, apparently he doesn't have enough vegan options on his menu and $32 for a plate of vegetables is just far too much. Mm. And so the, the, the torment that he's copped, he's decided to say, you know what, I don't serve vegans here. Vegans oh. are bullying him online, mate, apparently. Mm. Mm. What do you think of that? Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's well within his rights. If he owns a restaurant and he doesn't want a certain, you know, set of characteristics in his Restaurant, then good on him. Yep, good on Fair him. Fair enough. How do you um? How do you check that? Mm, well, I mean, what they order. If I mean, you're not putting tofu on the on the menu, are you? No, no, no. But if you're ordering a plate of vegetables, you're going to say, mate, you, you're going to need to put a bit of sirloin next to that. Yeah. Well, I I suppose it's probably not the fact that you have to prove that you're not vegan to enter. I yeah. think it's just we're not going to cater for you. Oh, yeah. But okay. I would say the vegans. I mean. You know, they're the type that probably make it out as if he's, you know, he's testing them all for veganism on the way in. Yep. Yeah. Yep, mate. No. So that's what caught my eye. It wasn't a big list for me today, but it's something that stood out to me. Yeah. And, I mean, the vegans, and you talked about, like, you know, bullying. Mm. I mean, 
but of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anyone, you know, who has been around vegans and disagrees with a vegan knows that the best way that they can get you to change your mind is to bully you. <laughs> I mean, it's common sense. Common sense, mate. Clear as day, cut and dry. Mm. All right, so... What's caught your eye, mate? Oh, yeah, look, I, I'm sticking wide of the vegans. Um, now, we, we were involved in a situation uh, last week and, um, you know, and it had me thinking, uh, it, was a, it was a professional situation that I won't dive into and it was just, um, you know, it was a pronunciation thing that became an issue. Um, it was repeated many times and everyone in the room knew that it was incorrect but nobody thought of actually just tapping this person on the shoulder and correcting them Mm. so they came back for three serves of it and i mean i i was struggling to contain myself okay because i it was just so ridiculous but it had me thinking straight away that when how do you perfect the art of letting people know you know what I mean with that? And I think everybody's so aware of offending people or, you know, and I mean, we all do it. It's like someone has a booger hanging out of their nose or, you know, a bit of spinach on their teeth. How do you let them know? If someone's breath smells like shit, how do you let them know? And I know a lot of people are really good at just going, hey, mate, your breath smells like shit. I mean, not me. Yeah. You know, there's there's got to be, there's an art to it, isn't there? There is an art to it. Um, so if somebody is blatantly pronouncing something so incorrect to a whole bunch of people who probably would define their craft around this word, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, <laughs> it goes down like a lead balloon. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know. There's an art to it, though, isn't it? Would you agree? Oh, I'd agree there's an art to it. I think there are people that are hesitant in situations like this, and I'll give another example of a situation in a moment, that are hesitant to say something because if you do something, if you do say something, even if you're saying it with the best of intentions mm. or you're, you're the one who's being wronged and you say something, you end up being the bad guy. Yeah. So an example um, I'll give you is um, uh, I'm a runner, as in that's what I usually do for my primary form of exercise. And um, when I used to go uh, running in a park not far from my house when I used to live in Brisbane, uh, it was it a was big wide pathway and it was a shared space. There were people walking, there were mm. people um, riding their bike and um, – but you would always be getting blocked off by people. And I remember one day there was six people who were standing on this path, standing right in the middle of it, and everyone was having to go around them and, and just like literally go off the path and walk around them. Their dogs were blocking everything. It was, it was a big disruption. Yeah. And I eventually on my third lap of the park, it wasn't that big a park, yeah. <laughs> but um, on my third lap of the park, I eventually said, guys, you're taking up the whole path. And I copped a spray from three of them. It's like, oh, well, mate, how rude. Just chill out a little bit. Just relax. Yeah. So, Well, I mean, next time I would have considered taking it off the back fence and just running through straight <laughs> through the defensive line. Well, <laughs> I did tell you, mate, I'd done three laps, so I was gassed. 
<laughs> I didn't have much left. So I, linking back to the point, I didn't just go off on a but random that, tangent there. I, I feel like um, perhaps saying something, people might hold back because they don't want to be seen as a Yeah, bagger. I know. And yeah. it's, 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 it's bizarre too because it's actually doing the person a favour mm. by actually – like sometimes you, we could be off, off with the fairies and I could be standing in the middle of a footpath and someone goes, hey, mate, do you mind? And I'll go, oh, sorry, I didn't even realise. And, and I'll move. That's how I would take you know, it as well. Yeah. But, yeah but. I mean, one of my best mates I, – I emceed his wedding this year. You know, the first real conversation we had in a classroom in I think it was year seven or year eight was – like we started talking and then I said, look, I can't continue this conversation because you've got a booger hanging out of your nose, <laughs> you know. And we've been best mates ever since. So, yeah. I mean, with good intentions and I'm sure as a, as a 12, 13-year-old, I, I, you know, I was very, very considerate in the way I said that. I said, hey, mate, you got a booger. <laughs> look, booger boy. But, um, you know, it was, uh, yeah, there's, I, I, it had me thinking the other day, I'm thinking there's definitely an art to, to letting people know. I mean, if somebody said that my breast smelt like shit, I'd, I'd probably be disappointed. Mm. I wouldn't be disappointed in them telling me, um, you know, but, you know, if somebody said I got spinach on me teeth or something like that, I'd just go, oh, thanks. I'd much rather you tell me than me walk around with spinach on my teeth because you're trying to be nice. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's a fair point, mate. It's a fair point. Um, other thing, mate, the full kit. The full kit. Um, now, my son, he's, um, he's well and truly uh, an independent young man, loves getting himself dressed, and the other day comes out with a full Panthers kit on. Oh, Socks up. And um, I, I was proud. I was proud. There was a tear in my eye uh, knowing that I was a full kit kid myself and that he's just taken the rein and run with it. Um, however, when does he have to stop potty? It got me thinking, you know, there's, it's, it's adorable for the young kid to be in full kit, but you don't want to be the full kit wanker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't, like what age, and I think as a sports detention podcast, we need to come in with a hardline stance. I have suggested that the hardline stance on changing team is double digits. Yep. Full kit? Should we go double digits? Yeah, I, you know. I, ten years of age is the last, if you, once you hit ten, you can't full kit. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably accept till the end of primary school when you're maybe 12. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. I can see what you're saying. So, so there is there is discussion there. Then, yeah, and it's not cut and dry as town. I think you know, changing teams, you can't be double digits and changing teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just you know, think back to myself in primary school. If there was a muffy day, I wouldn't have minded rocking up in full kit and playing footy all lunchtime. And, mm. you know. Yeah, you so, make a good point. So maybe 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 you could go twelve, but it's around that ten to twelve mark, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And for anybody out there who's um, interested in sort of exploring the the ins and outs of Full Kit Wankers, uh, there is a Twitter page called Full Kit Wanker, <laughs> and it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, there are grown men. Uh, I mean, there are grandparents who are in Full Kit. Like, it is an absolute pisser. And these aren't just dress-ups. These are genuine fans. There is a bloke looking to get onto a plane in full Celtic <laughs> kit. Like, some of these are absolutely Does fantastic. Does he have the boots on? 
I mean, oh, look, there is a guy who is standing at a cafe with a full Philippe Coutinho Liverpool kit, <laughs> and he looks like he swallowed Philip Coutinho. <laughs> <laughs> so the full kit wanker, we're going to uh, – should we put it out in a poll? Yeah, let's put it out in a poll. What do you think? How the full I- kit. So what age can you no longer wear full kit? When does the full kit become non-applicable? Is, is it ageless? If you want to wear it, can you wear it? Mm, oh, I don't know. That's, oh, I that's don't think so. But yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> uh, Rightio, we'll put that one out for the listeners, guys. You know where to get us, at Sports Detention, on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You'll get us on the Facebook page. And also, too, for any of your professional inquiries, you can get us on the email, oh. podcast at gmail.com. So get those, that information into us. Uh, Potty. We Big weekend of footy, should we? Let's get jump into right it? in. Let's get into it. The rugby league final was a big Wembley occasion. Oh, get that in here! All right, mate, so round 24 done and dusted, and uh, I'll just run us through the, the, the games really quickly. Penrith, too good for Manly out at uh, Lotto Land or Brookvale. Well, let's stick with Brookvale, 24 to 12. Uh, the Sharks um, gave it to the Titans, 36 to 6. The Sharks seem to be back, a couple of good wins. The Broncos absolutely mauled Parramatta, a lifeless Parramatta, 54 to 10. Oh, that was painful for me to watch. Um the Rabbitohs, 26-14 over the Dragons, a much-needed win for them to keep them in the finals hunt. The Warriors scraped through 30-22 to 22 over uh, the Tigers, so they've had a couple of close wins the last few weeks. Just keep chugging along. Mm. People would have expected them to do a little bit better, but, you know, at the end of the day, they got the Chockeys. It's two points. Roosters back to winning ways with a 30-14 to 14 victory over the Finns. And... The Storm absolutely mauled Canberra 48-2, to which uh, really, really sent Ricky Stewart into a bit of a tiz. He was not happy at all if he called that presser. Yeah. And uh, the Knights, 42 to the Bulldogs, 6. And that's an aggregate of 108-6 to over the last five weeks because they've played twice over the last five weeks. Yeah, that's that's horrific. That's certainly horrific. That's done the uh, Knights for and against the world of good. And uh, then the Cowboys got the bye. So, yeah. um, Well, mate, my match of the round, I predicted the Storm versus the Raiders. I couldn't go with that in the end. Uh, That was a a bloodbath. I ended up going with uh, Penrith uh, Penrith beating Manly. I actually thought that was uh, quite a good game. But Manly came out and they... They played some creative football. Uh, you, you could tell that their opinion was if we go in and we try to play a really grinding uh, game of football, even if we are at our absolute best, we are going to eventually get ground, uh, ground down and beaten by Penrith. They are just too good at that style of football. Mm. So at the beginning of the game, they started throwing a few different things at Penrith. They started shifting it wide early. They played really good ball control. They started making good yards. They scored a couple of tries, and they really looked like they were up for the game, and they found a little little formula, albeit in a really short window, to make Penrith feel a little bit uncomfortable, spread them wide, not just running straight at them. It was working for them. Um 
Obviously, it fell apart in the second half, and I, I believe you're going to touch on that a little bit later. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. So um, they, they went a little bit too extreme with that, I'd have to say, oh, mate. Yes. So they jumped off the deep end. Do you want to jump on that now or we'll save it for later? Uh, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get yep. into it later. Yep. Um, match of the round, mate. You had the Storm and the Raiders. Yep. Did you stick with it? No, no, no. I went Penrith versus Manly. So, oh, um, sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've, so. I've just had a, a brain explosion. Yeah, there. All good, mate. Um, do you know why I've had a brain explosion though? Why, mate? Broncos Eels. Oh, that was my match mate. of the round. I was hot tipping. I was hot tipping it to be a, a flashback. You mm. know, a real grinding match. But I mean, I've I've put together a. Detailed analysis. Yep. I've used artificial intelligence to do it. <sighs> I've gone onto the AI because I couldn't I, I mean my my hard drive was overheating. All right. And have you got it? Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is Parramatta's performance. Oh, <laughs> oh mate, this oh. Oh, mate, and shortly followed by that. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh. Mate, it was horrific. Yeah, mate. I um, you, you can feel the pain coming out of me at the moment, mate. It really stung to watch that one. I think I mentioned last week I predicted um, a hard game coming up. I, I didn't see us getting the chocolates. I didn't tip Parramatta. Mm. And that's not that's uh, pretty rare for me. I've thrown away a lot of um, you know, I'd be winning our tipping comp if I didn't. Well, I them. I did tip them, and yeah. um, that cost me a perfect round. So oh no, I was expecting uh, I was expecting a performance, but I mean, just to rub salt in the wounds. I mean, the Broncos were really good. Yep, the Broncos have been really good. I mean, there might be still some questions there about where their defence sits when it gets into that you know, prelim final. Mm. hardened football, whether, you know, they will be challenged there. Um, you know, but they're doing everything right at the moment. Yeah. The Eels, on the other hand, everything is going wrong for them at the moment. Yeah, so uh, with Parramatta, the, well, we spoke the other day about the Titans coach. I keep forgetting his name. Um, he um, using the word luck in the press conference and how mm. that's. A, but as a fan, I can use the word luck uh, as much as I like. And um, from a luck point of view, we haven't had much of it through um, injuries this year. Sean Lane's only played three or four games or something like that. Mitch Moses out now. We've had a number of mm. key injuries to Reg um, throughout the year as well. Uh, but that's been coupled with stupidity as well. So we've had um, Madison, Sevo, uh, uh, and uh, Reg miss long stints on the sideline through um, suspensions and avoidable suspensions. And obviously Dylan Brown as well with his off-field um, mm. uh, behaviour has cost um, has cost Parramatta dearly as well. And it, it it's going to be in... They're going to miss the finals now. They've they've they they they'd be odds on to miss. Yeah, yeah they're, they're going to miss the finals well, now. Under the table now, they're, I mean they're sitting in ten, twenty six mm. points, two points beyond the Cowboys and the Rabbits. But you know, with the Chooks to come, yeah, I mean, Chooks and Penrith to come. Yeah. So they they they're, they're not going to be making Mitch Moses is out for the year now as well with a broken cheekbone. So that that's the last thing we needed. And uh, it's going to be a Penrith team. 
that will possibly be still battling it out for the minor premiership. The Broncos have got the bye this week. Yep. So it'll possibly at the top of the table will be all to play for in the last round. Yep. Previous years, Penrith have sort of just put a line through the last round. So that's the second last round because they got the, 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 the Penrith play Cowboys in the last round. Oh, Parramatta, sorry. Yeah. Parramatta's just got the bye. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Parramatta do have the bye, which helps them out in the last round, but they'd have to win the last two, and I, I can't see them beating Penrith, who are going to be playing for a minor premiership. Yeah. But that's a, a big point. We, we'll jump in. A, I won't go on for too long about Parramatta, but, um, you know, obviously their depth in the outside backs is um, is is really poor, and um, I imagine if I'm some of their senior players, Junior Paolo, um, Reg, Matto, Gutho, Mitch, I'd be sitting around going, boys, we're getting close to that 30 mark. We don't have that many years left in us. We can't have another year where stupidity affects us so badly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Moses is a big blow. Hmm. Um, you know, there's no avoiding that. I think that's probably the, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of those final chances, um, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, they've come out the other side of the bye. Um, and they lost a whole bunch of players unexpectedly to that third origin game, turned in a woeful performance against the Warriors. And then pretty much since then it's just been, you know, half show up, half, you know, mm. it's been a little bit disappointing. They, if I'm being fair, they've probably got a few too many reserve graders playing too much first grade at the moment. So anyway. Fair criticism, mate. Um, so you mentioned uh, the Panthers versus the Eagles. Yep. Um, I would say that was, for me, that was the best match of the round. Um, although I did have the Broncos Eels. Um, Thursday night brain explosions, mate. Mm. <laughs> Schuster's kick. What's doing? Which one Which one of the Schuster kick? When Schuster got the intercept. Or, oh, or he got, yeah, he got yeah, the ball yeah, run yeah. through. Was it intercept? No, yeah. Crichton got the intercept, or did Schuster? Inter- no, he just picked up a yeah. loose ball. Yeah, Schuster got the uh, the loose ball and then ran away with it yeah. and looked like he was in quicksand. So he had Hank Scorpio run an extra. Yeah, that's right. And he was actually outrunning Hank Scorpio yeah. and then decided to kick for Hank Scorpio. Yeah, like it, it was a shocker. Uh, He's been absolutely hammered on social media for it, mate, mm. by the manly field. Yeah, um, by the manly fans. Some of the con- comments have been, you know, this fella, John Martin. I've been a supporter since 1969, and my opinion, he's the worst player to wear our mighty jersey. Lazy, continually stuffing up the backline movements and hanging around dumb, dummy half and can't tackle. Scathing. Scathing. <laughs> he hasn't missed him. This could go down, well down, as the biggest waste of money in the history of our club. Overrated, lazy, not fit, turns his back in defence. Limited vision. I mean, these. this is thorough analysis, yeah. this. Uh, oh, this one's good. This one's good. Theo Zortzis. He is so disappointing in every aspect of the game. Cliffy and Tuvi could come on in the second half and do much better than him. I mean, <laughs> mate, that is... You've nailed it. Oh. You've nailed it. Any, if you mention Cliffy and Tuvi in a manly post, you're immediately correct. Yep, 100%, 100%. But um, um, it's not fair. Like, I mean, obviously, yeah, you know, that's not the worst uh, sort of criticism someone would get. Um, but, I mean, the fact that he plays at six still bothers me as, as someone. I mean, it shouldn't really bother me, but it, it still bothers me 
for the sanity of a, of a fan of another club. Well, with Luke uh, Brooks heading there next year, I'd have to imagine there's a life expectancy on that. Um, yeah. I'd have to think that um, Seabold said, hey, mate, you're, you're, you're a back rower. Although they have signed him a long-term deal worth about 800000 a year as well. So, mm. you know, I, he's an edge back rower. Yeah. Just get out on the edge, maybe a lock forward, learn. Well, it's not he doesn't need to learn how to tackle. He needs to get committed enough to tackle. I will say, though, Grego, he wasn't the only one putting in, let's say, strange kicks from the Manly team the other day. Oh, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Mate, hit us with it. Yeah. So, Ruben Garrick <laughs> has decided to get into an old-fashioned... Oh, the kicking duel. <laughs> kicking duel. Now, if you're going to do that, you've got to execute. And what I will say is putting the... putting. Aside for a second that it was an obviously dumb thing to do. Mm. If he'd actually nailed it, if he'd actually nailed it, there was space there. But he didn't nail it. He pretty much just kicked it it straight back to them. And then their defensive line was in so much tatters because... Why wouldn't they be? They weren't expecting it. No, they just defended. They just defended. And then your fullback goes, here, have some more. Yeah, that's right. The game was in the balance then. Yeah. Like, so... Clearly, Ruben has missed the um, missed the memo as far as playing a controlled brand of expansive football, and he's just decided to do the most outlandish thing you've ever seen in your life. Mm. And it hasn't come off for him, mate. It hasn't come off, and he looked pretty ordinary. And um, probably the only thing that saved Schuster's kick a little bit from the headlines. Yeah. And another unusual thing was the um, Crichton Stephen Crichton getting penalised for being offside. Oh yeah, with, with the ball. Yeah. So obviously he was in front of the play the ball. Yep. And then made his way the r- behind the ruck and picked up the ball, but it's obviously a penalty. So yep. I mean, a lot of the fans were probably confused about that, but that's uh, one of those rules that's uh, well and truly on the on the backside of the uh, of, of the rule book. What, what do they call that again? I think um, it's just offside. It's offside, yeah. is it? Because there's yeah. the downtown when you kick it, isn't it? But um, uh, you can't be um, uh, downtown. Oh, but that's in when your player is actually kicking the ball, isn't it? I thought there yeah. was actually a word for it when you were in front of the um, yeah, front I, of the I think it's just offside. I, I could boring, be really, isn't it? We, we'll yeah. come up with something better than that. We should come up with something better. Um, Get on it, ladies and gentlemen. Let us know what you think. What could that be called, mate? Movements, mm. fifteen million for for feeder and Tino. What do you think, mate? Oh, mate, I said the sharks. The sharks handed. A convincing defeat to the Titans, but they were possibly celebrating wrapping up two players for $15 million over 10 years. So the breakdown of it is uh, uh, Fafita, $3 million over three years, and yeah. Tino. Uh, Tino's the big one for me. $10 million over 10 years or $11 million or something. Mm. $12 million, sorry. I can't do any basic math yeah, here. Yeah, so I think it, it jumps up to one point two a season. Yep. So... I think I've seen this film before, Grego. Mm. Mate, uh, I, I don't like it. Like, I understand that they felt they needed to keep this guy, and he is one of the game's premier front rowers. But, and he's not that old, but will he be worth that amount of money in 10 years' time? I think we've seen with Jason Tamalolo, who mm. five years ago was such a player, and he's still a very good player now, but he signed a 10 year. $10 million contract to keep him there for life. And at that time, you're like, wow, he is such a good player. But even then, when he was willing, Dalian player of the year, the first forward to do it other than a hooker in maybe 
the history of the Dally M's uh, in the NRL, that is, of course. Mm. Um, and is he worth that sort of money out of their salary cap now? I don't think he is. Yeah, I think as a fan, I'd always be concerned when my team is paying not only big money, look, into the millions a season, but also, too, giving out 10-year contracts to forwards. Mm. Um, I can completely understand it for a halfback, a Jonathan Thurston, a Nathan Cleary, a, you know, someone like a Cameron Smith. I, I get that. Yeah. But I really, you know, if you look at the clubs or the teams that have done that so far, you know, you're thinking of the Cowboys, you're thinking of... You know, obviously the the Titans doing it there. You think of Payne Haas asking for that sort of money. Yep. Um, and I think even previously you had the likes of Aaron Woods being up there on on yeah. big money in the past. I think Dale Finucan might be on very big money at the Sharks. Yeah. James Graham, mm. uh, Luke Thompson at yeah. the Bulldogs was you know brought in for I believe roughly around nine hundred thousand a season. Yeah, I think you Jake Travojevic might be on about. No, How many of those players of those teams are competing? At the top of the table. Yeah. It's a fair call. And and that's that's the question you have to ask yourself. Is is Tino you know, if you ask the question, is is this deal for Tino then finally gonna put the line through Ben Hunt coming to the Gold Coast? I'd have to think so. I'd have to think And if that is the case, as a Titans fan, how do you feel that impacts your chances of winning a premiership? I would yeah. have to say it would be negatively. Yeah. Because there's no halfbacks around. I'd agree. I'd yeah. agree. Um, and they've let go young Toby Sexton as well, who mm. um, is, you know, he wasn't getting a start um, in first grade at the moment, but I thought showed a fair bit of potential in his young career. Mm. Like, so anyway, I, um, yeah, I, I, I don't love the deal. Uh, even someone like Payne Haas, who was a different breed of Ford, as good as I've ever seen in the front row. Yeah. Um, I never really got to see, I don't remember seeing Lazo play in his prime. Uh, in the, like mm. I, I remember seeing him at Melbourne at the end and um, the Broncos in the latter part of his career, but they talk about uh, the Raiders in the late uh, 80s and the, the Broncos well, in the think, early 90s, how Shane, good he was. Shane Webke and Petro Sivanaceva. Mm. That was essentially the reason Petro went to Penrith. Yeah. Because Wayne refused to put a value on him yeah. above a certain marker that he had designated for a front rower. Yeah. So it was a, a battle of opinions between Petro and Wayne, which resulted in him taking bigger money to go down to Penrith. And you look at what Petro did for the Broncos, for the Panthers in his career. You look at what Shane Webke did. I mean, they were massive players, but they weren't Alan Langer, Darren Lockyer. No. You know, they were always had that. And is that something that, you know, is shifting in the game? Is a good forward becoming more important that we're not considering? Uh, you could pose that question. I, I doubt it. But, you know, they are important. But, um, you know, are they... Yeah, you know your your marquee player. Well, the ten the ten year deal was what really I really find strange. I, I would like I know the salary cap's gone up uh, um, a bit and will probably continue to go up over the life of Tino's contract, but I would have thought that um, I'd I'd have been saying, "Oh, mate, look, you know, if you really need to keep him, let's make it a three year deal." To like, to my understanding, too, there is renegotiation clauses within that due to salary cap. Okay. Yeah, so there is or or it is a, a staggered deal which 
is uh, dependent on predictions of salary cap increases. So he's not going to lose out on salary cap increases. Yeah. You know, he's possibly going to be there for a renegotiation renegotiation once that salary cap is increased. And it's in his favour, essentially, because he's not going to get any lower than 1.2. And if he wants more money and if he's justifying it with his performances, he's the only one who's going to win out of that. Yeah. Um, It's going to be... um Interesting times ahead for the Titans, I think. <sighs> yeah, I don't love it. I don't love it. I don't. Uh, I'm sure a Titans fan will say, "Well, what would you have done? Would you have let um, you, you would have let him go? And who would you have gotten in his place?" And I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I don't like you. You could have afforded two decent front rowers for him, but I don't know who they are, and I don't know that they would have been willing to come. So, mm. look, um, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to necessarily see it fail for them or anything like that i'd just be surprised if it's heralded as one of the great signings Mm. the broncos are the real deal mate i think they've got to genuinely be contend uh considered premiership contenders um i thought dean mariner he's a he's a good player I, i noticed two going through the contracts uh the other day um corey oates has got a player option for next year yep which i mean yeah it's a bit disappointing for Broncos fans because he's going to take that player option. That's it. That's yep. his obviously his his prerogative as the player who has it. Um, but I think they've got between him, Jesse Arthur's, Selwyn Cobbo. You know, I'm talking Dean Mariner. Sorry, um, there's a lot of good young players. I don't think Corey's getting a game. Uh, they aren't losing Herbie Farnworth next year to the Dolphins, so um, that, that that does free up a spot there. I'd imagine they're thinking they'll bring in. Um, They'll bring in uh, Dean Mariner into the centre spot. He is a centre coming through, mm. I believe. He, he debuted last year and looked all right, but he's, he's clearly put on a bit of um, uh, size over the last 12 months, and he, he looked really good the other night. Yeah, uh, Corey Oates, yeah, he... This time 12 months ago, I was really impressed with the way he'd, uh, he came he, back. He, he played. I mean, he's had a he's had a Sean Lane sort of a season this year, an absolute wretched run with injuries. He hasn't yeah. been able to stay on the paddock. So it, it might be his, um, you know, that that might be the end of his career. He might find himself playing um, playing a bit of um, uh, reserve grade, you know. Mm. So considering how toxic it was previously for Brisbane, I mean, it's been a massive turnaround. Oh, it's been huge. It's, yeah. it's been huge. There's been, um, you know, so when Kevy took it over, it was um, just – the place was – you couldn't believe how bad they were, that powerhouse club. And um, uh, Dave Donaghy, I think it is, they signed him from Melbourne as the CEO. He's come in and done good mm. things. And Ben Eichen was there for a substantial period as the as the head of football. And, you know, Adam Reynolds brought him to the club, mm. said come and show these young guys um, how to be – how to be footballers, how to lead, and he's done a really good job. Kurt Catewell, coming from yeah. your boys, I thought was a really good signing as well. Uh, and obviously you look at the bones of their team, and they had they had a immense, good young team. A yeah. good immense, uh, sorry, immense talent coming through as well. So getting Reese Walsh back as well is obviously yeah. a big one. But um, the big question is, mate, oh, well, there's two. Number one is... Can we accept that Kevy can coach? And because I don't know if Selwyn's come around to that conclusion yet. <laughs> or and number two, salary cap issues incoming. 
Uh, yeah, we can definitely accept Kevy can coach. He's um, he's yeah, he's turned this team around from wooden spooners when he inherited the squad, one of the worst teams mm. I've ever seen, and uh, he he's turned them around to this team that is a genuine premiership threat. Salary cap issues are coming. When when we talk about million dollar players, let's let's raffle them off. The million dollar players that are going to exist at that club in the next um, two or three years. Reese Walsh, easy, yeah, easy a million dollars. That's unders for him in the next two or three years. They'll have to find someone to replace Adam Reynolds. They'll have to find. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Jock Madden. There's there's not yeah. enough gun halfbacks in the competition. So if you can usher someone in, I mean, what an apprenticeship. Mm. Uh, then you've got Ezra Mam. He's going to be on Big Bickies uh, soon. Then you move to the front row. Payne Haas is obviously commanding huge money. They're going to do everything they can not to lose him. Um, the Cardigan, Paddy Carrigan, is going to yep. be on big money. Uh, he, he's going to be on close to a million dollars well. And that's not even talking about players like Selwyn Cobbo and um, and uh, Katoni Staggs and Jordan Ricky, yeah, <laughs> and let alone some of the young brigade who's coming coming through as well. <coughs> Excuse me, who's who's impressed um, Keenan Paliasia and uh, Xavier Willison, who aren't even getting a start yet. They're going to be starting to attract attention from other teams. So. Mm. You know, they're already losing two players. They're losing Flegler and um, Herbie, two representative players to the Dolphins next year. I'd imagine more's to come. They've just got to do what Penrith have done. And Penrith have lost players every year since they started this run in 2020 with the big uh, James Taumail going at the end of um, of 2020. And, you know, Appy Corusau, Viliami Kikau. Uh, you know, the, the, you could probably uh, Stephen Crichton this year as well. It's um, Matt, Burton. Matt Burton, the um, uh, the weak gutted dog. He, he he's headed as well. Mm. Like, the, but they haven't lost the players that they need to keep. Yeah, they, they 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 looked at it and go, if we can keep Cleary, if we can keep Edwards, if we can keep Liam Martin, and we can keep our two front rowers, yep. we're going to be hard to beat no matter who we put in there. So mm. Broncos have got to figure out. Uh, who those players are, and obviously they've got to deal with the issue of having to replace their halfback sooner rather than sooner than Penrith will at least. Mm. Um, mate, I've got the big questions here, mate. Parramatta are in trouble is the headline. Yep. Um, they're limping towards the end of the season, mate. The question is, and I'm going to put the asset on you, mate. Is it time? Is it time? Ba, is it time? Where are you as a Parramatta fan? And if it's not time, why? Where you're at, mate? Um, I'm going to say it's not time. Um, the question you always, you never seem to ask when, you, when you're frustrated about a loss is who do you replace him with? So who comes in who definitely does a better job? What I will say, though, is if next year starts similar to the way this one did, he will be gone yeah. by the end of the year at the absolute max. There is, um, there's been huge. You can forgive him for this season to a certain extent because a lot of what happened was out of his control. They lost a lot of players at the end of last year due to their um, success. They, um, including Reed Marnie, Papalihi, Niakore, all, all gone on to do really good things. Oregon Kafusi, the list goes on. Uh, then. 
the player's own stupidity through suspensions on and off the field meant that he had millions of dollars through large parts of the season being off and then the injury curse really kicked us as well this year. Mm. So Brad Arthur, you know, wouldn't be sitting there and making up excuses. He's just not that sort of coach. But I think if you're a board member, you're sitting there giving him a pass on a lot of what's transpired this year. The recruitment drive will play a role for me in the off-season as far as um, how they go. We've been hearing all summer long about this um, X-Factor, oh, sorry, all season long about this X-Factor player that we need to sign. We need two or three players in the back line. Mm. We need some depth and we need a player that's going to come in and contribute straight away. If Brad Arthur and the cl- club aren't able to produce that by the beginning of next year, then they're not going to fare a hell of a lot better because we just don't have any strike out wide and he's going to he's going to struggle. So recru- right. recruitment first priority, I don't think he's under pressure yet or shouldn't be, but he doesn't have an endless timeline. All right. So devil's advocate here. Yep. I'm going to rattle off some names to you. Justin Holbrook. John Morris, Josh Hannay, maybe some, these are some sort of younger coaches coming through. Now, the you know I'm a romantic, mm. Rowan Smith. Rowan Smith, Rowan yeah. Rowan Smith. Smithy's boy. Dad couldn't do it. Yep. Rowan comes in, gets Parramatta the premiership. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no better story. Um, a couple of out there, uh, ones that are a bit out there, experienced coaches is Richard Agar and Brian McDermott, who are currently working in the NRL as assistants. Um, really, really experienced over in the Super League. Steve Price. Um, the other one, mate, sit and wait for Wayne, 2024. Yeah. Give the Eels the premiership they haven't had since Jack Gibson, Wayne Bennett. Yeah. Could you imagine the challenge? What do you think about that? Is that I, I know I've it's my go-to, Wayne. Okay, but what do you think of that? Uh, so Wayne's the only one that I really like out of that because all those others for me, I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to do better mm. than Brad Arthur. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, but I would jump in on Wayne in a heartbeat if that came up. Uh, the they will need to make a decision on who their long-term coach is, and by long-term I mean the next five-year coach in the next 12 months. And that's the thing, though, and what triggers this question is, but he's been there for nearly a decade. Yes, yes. It's been a decade, has it? Yeah, he's yeah. been there. He's their longest-serving coach. Yeah. Uh, so just clicked over 250 games a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, wow. So he's been there a long time. Now, when he inherited the team, they were a basket case on and off the field. Um, He's done an exceptional job. And if he was to part ways with Parramatta, someone would come after him. Like, they would take what he has done at Parramatta at their club. Yeah. um, But what I mean by they have to sign, uh, whoever they sign, they have to be sure that they're there for the long term which might turn them off uh, Wayne because he seems to be doing these little stints at the moment, three years at South, two years at the Dolphins, Um, is that uh, Gutho hits 30 next year, Mitch Moses hits 30, I think Junior hits 31 next year, Reg is probably getting around the 30 mark, Sean Lane, Maddo's only a couple of years off 30. They've still probably got two or three good years worth of football, but this time in five years, Parramatta's team 
will look very different. Mm. And so you need to select a coach who is going to be able to usher in that transition. And you so, don't – yeah, sorry. So don't. if we don't go – if we're not going to sit and wait for Wayne, we want longevity, I mean something that doesn't often get talked about in rugby league is poacher coach. Poacher coach. You know, Todd Payton, Adam O'Brien, Andrew Webster. Yep. Would you have any of them? Uh, yeah, I definitely have uh, a lot of those coaches. Ricky Stewart. Uh, no, I wouldn't have stick. <laughs> wouldn't have stick. <laughs> I had to throw that one in, in the end there. Not if he's going to bring so his chalkboard back. If we, talk, if we go back to how this whole start, whole saga started with Brad Arthur, it was because of Ricky Stewart. Yeah, Ricky Stewart came to the club, was their saviour, and uh, got us a wooden spoon and went running out the door after riding, going to training one day. Yeah, just and telling riding. everybody they were cut. Yeah, <laughs> literally <laughs> writing their name on a whiteboard saying, if your name's on the board, we don't want you here next year. Oh, wow. Anyway. So. Rightio, mate. We're, we'll keep punching on. Uh, the Eels, yeah, there, there's some big questions and, and some soul-searching out at Parramatta. It's not it's not crisis by any mean. Um, there are some reasons why performances have been where they've been, but, um, oh, yeah, oh, there will be some questions. I genuinely answered. think if they had a, bit, a better year next year as far as suspensions and injuries were concerned and they got two or three uh, or, or one or two high-quality players in their outside backs and then some depth, they'd be a completely different team. But yeah. those are a lot of ifs. You know my rules about too many ifs. Yeah. Um, Challenge Cup final, mate. Yep. You know I've got an absolute soft spot for English Rugby League. Yeah, I mate, love you it. love it. You love it. You did, you know the that there's a, did you know that there's a, a member of the sports attention who's played in the Challenge Cup? I did know that. Yeah, the, the the listeners, the yeah. listeners might not know that, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So I do love the the love the competition. Tell us about that game, mate. Tell us about that game. Uh, yeah, we uh, we had a, a fifty point start and uh, we beat the start. Yeah, and we're all on it. Who are you playing for, mate? London Scholars. London Scholars. Over the Scholars. How good is that? Uh, against Wakefield Trinity Wildcats, and yeah, they, wow. they give it to us. Um, so the final was on the weekend. Lee, the Lee Leopards. So as you know, the traditionalists would know, the Lee Centurions. Um, they are now known as the Lee Leopards. They play Hull Kingston Rovers or Hull KR. Um, a real different sort of final. You know, obviously you usually got a, a St Helens, a Leeds, you know, a Warrington, you know, Wigan, those bigger sides. Generally f- one of them finds their way to the Challenge Cup final. But, you know, having Lee, Lee's had a good year. They're in the top four in the Super League. But them versus Hull, Hull Kingston Rovers was um, yeah it was a it was a big match. Yeah. I mean the Wembley wasn't packed. I think that's obviously you know for for those who don't understand the dynamics of rugby league in England, um, it's a northern sport. Yep. But Wembley, a trip down to Wembley for the Challenge Cup was always your weekend away. Yep. You know, so the big rugby league teams. If there was a test match between Australia and the Kangaroo, uh, the Kangaroo, sorry, Australia and Great Britain, people would flood to Wembley from the north, have the weekend away to go and see the test. Yep. You know, it's it's not a big sport in London. Um, so the idea is that teams will travel down to Wembley to go to the cup final. Yep. And obviously, just having two low, smaller market teams in in Lee and Hull KR. Um, they didn't. They didn't pack it out like like it usually would, but it was still a cracking atmosphere. Um, the Lee kit. We've talked about the Lee kit. The leopard. Yeah, <laughs> mate. 
owner Derek Beaumont. So Bo- Derek Beaumont is a he's a decking millionaire. So he he makes decks for temporary houses. That's where he makes his quid. And look, we're not talking Premier League owners when we talk about the Super League. You know, there's there's not billions of dollars going around. Derek Beaumont has turned up in a leopard print tuxedo to the final. <laughs> Have you seen it, Potty? Oh, mate, I did catch a glance of it. Oh, it is unreal. So he's turned up in a leopard print tuxedo and um, he's just, you know, just absolutely immersed himself in the cup final. Oh, mate, he is, looks like he is having an absolute ball. So... Lee's ended up winning the Challenge Cup, which is massive for the team, oh. you know, and also too for Australian rugby league fans. Adrian Lamb gets his first title as a head coach, and his son Lachlan Lamb was was playing at seven. So did he kick the field goal, Lachlan? Uh, kicked the field goal to win it. Yeah, yeah. the golden point, golden point. Uh, Good on you, goal. So um, yeah, but obviously a big moment for for the Lamb family, um, and it's it's a big competition. Mm. It's uh, the Challenge Cup. It's massive, you know. Huge. Seventeen sixteen. It was, um, you know, Hull KR. It was a really good game. Uh, if you want to go and check the replay, uh, Hull KR scored a, a controversial, but you know, legitimate try in the last moments to to take it to Golden Point. Um, Schneider. Uh, we spoke about him the other week on loan from Canberra. Uh, he had, you know, kicked a kicked a ton of goals and and really uh, dictated things for Hull KR. Kept him in it. He was unlucky to not go away with some silverware. So, but it was a good it was a good occasion. I liked it. So the Challenge Cup, love it. Traditionalist, mate. Beautiful, beautiful. And uh, yeah, it's you know in in the north of England, it's just you know. It's got a soft spot, rugby league, doesn't oh, it? Oh, mate, it's, yeah. Mate, remember the old kangaroo tours? Oh. Like, where, you know, you'd play, they'd go over there, they'd play Leeds, they'd play all these games. It was, oh, mate, as a kid waking up early in the morning to watch those. Yep. Brings back memories. Beautiful. So, Lee Leopards, formerly Centurions, you guys are the Challenge Cup champions. Well done. Well done, guys. Well done. Just quickly, mate, round 25, Cowboys versus the Sharks coming up. That's my match of the round prediction, by the way. I'm looking forward to seeing that, a a replay of last year's semifinal. Both clubs with a lot to play. And I'd have to think if the the Cowboys don't get it done up there, they might be in a bit of strife and might not make the finals either. Warriors versus Manly, uh, that should be a good game as well, potentially over there in New Zealand. Eels versus the Roosters, well, who would know which teams are showing up there. Tigers versus the Redcliffe, uh, both of those. I think the Tigers might get them done there. Redcliffe are on a bit of a slip, and I think Tigers have um, been a little bit unlucky the mm. last few weeks. Titans versus pa- uh, Panthers, I don't see any result except for a Panthers strong win there. Dragons versus the Storm, oh, echo that sentiment for the Storm. Knights versus the Rabbits, that's going to be a that's really a interesting game. game. That that. that no, having a look at that, that might actually catch someone's attention there for match of the round. Raiders versus Doggies and Broncos versus the Bye. You gone cow sharks. I have gone cow sharks. Uh, I doubled down with it, but I'm going to change it. I'm going to go Knights Rabbits. Mm. I like it because I was going to jump yeah. off it as well if you were going to stick with the cow sharks because yeah, that looks okay. like it could be a real cracker. So no worries. We've so. got a couple there, so mate, that's wound us up for the footy. We're getting very close to that finals. So yeah, it's yeah. getting close. Uh, stream of the week, mate. Um, what have you been watching, mate? So um, lately, I've been watching uh, Justified City Prime Evil. 
So Justified. Don't know if you ever watched the series, Timothy. I've uh, heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Timothy uh, Oliphant and um, uh, Walton Goggins. They um, they started it around. Oh, it must be. 10, 15 years ago now. Mm. And uh, Timothy Oliphant plays uh, a, a US Marshal, you know, US Marshal track down bad guys, um, fugitives, things like that. Mm. And uh, they've just done a reboot of the series where um, it's, well, not a reboot, it's a, um, uh, they picked up the story 10 years on after the, the series ended and it's uh, it's set in uh, Detroit. So I've been watching that lately and watching Raylan Givens chasing down the bad guys again and it's, uh, it's a pretty good watch. So if anyone's got Disney and wants to get on a Justified, yeah, Justified. City Primeval, get all over it. I remember hearing about Justified, the TV show. I, I never checked it out, but uh, yeah, it sounds... Sounds like a good one. It's well worth a watch. Mate, I was catching up um, on Netflix. So we talked about, and we had our stream of the week uh, a few episodes back where we looked at uh, the Gladiators documentary on KO. Yep. Now they've dropped the non-official Gladiators on Netflix, and I've been checking that out. And I've got to say it's better. Yeah, right. Um, Not as action-packed. It's just more hard-hitting in terms of it's the non-official one. So... The documentary on Netflix for American Gladiators was based, or it was obviously a documentary of Ferraro, so yeah, yeah, the yeah. owner. So he obviously had collective control over what they could put in and put out of the documentary. And um, it was a bit dodgy. Obviously, he was an old Elvis impersonator and he, you know, he looked like he'd, he'd a sleazy car salesman. Um, this one's all the gladiators have come together and put this one out. So yeah, right. There's a couple of gladiators who were not in the KO documentary who have made themselves available for this one. So obviously they're a bit more controversial and yeah, they're right. more sort of middle finger to the other guys. Um, and But there's also too a few like Gemini and the like that were in both, that were happy to be in both. So, you know, it's a, it's a good story. Um, you know, it gets into a bit more. They're a bit more open about the sort of steroid use and the like and, you know, they talk about it from themselves as the gladiators and, you know, how they were sort of underpaid and and all all that and all the issues that they had, in spe- especially they go into the big tour they went on. So, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, if you watch the uh, the Gladiators on KO, I would, I would suggest go and check out Gladiators on Netflix. It was, yeah, it was a good watch and it sort of goes in behind the lives of the people uh, a bit more than the KO. The KO series was more about sort of how it was founded and it was really focused around... Um, you know the obviously the where it came from in Pennsylvania and the the dispute between Ferraro and that that Dan fella that you know who couldn't speak because he had the rights to his voice <laughs> like it was just so dodgy yeah. that one so yeah if you want to go and check out the Gladiators the non official one on Netflix I reckon give it a crack it's uh yeah I don't know I don't know if it'll be up there for that long I think it's only a sort of limited series so if you want to go and check it out it's well worth it. Get amongst it. Next one, mate. My wife has been into me. Tour de France. She reckons it. She watched it without me. Yeah, she, right. She went out ahead and just watched it without me. She said it's an absolute ripper. So. Yeah, right. Well, hmm. are we going to get into that, aren't we? Give that a look. Yeah, I, I think we might have to immerse ourselves in it, mate. Well, yeah. She's been telling me all these facts about cycling that I already knew. <laughs> it's it's been fantastic, and it's. Um, yeah, but I, I, you know, when my wife loves things that I things that I love, 
It's there's nothing better. Nothing better, mate. Nothing better. All right, mate. So that's uh, that's going to do us, I think, for the um, stream of the week. Should we get into the hard eating integrity issues? Uh, what about the football, mate? Oh, sorry, the football. Of course, mate. I've jumped ahead. We cannot I? miss the football. Sorry, mate. I've jumped ahead. All right. Uh, yeah. Should we get into the football, mate? Let's go, mate. Radio Potty football chat. How good was it to oh. see the football back? Oh, it was absolutely unreal, mate. Yep. Not just the Premier League, mate, but so much to talk about and all things World Cup as well. Oh, mate. The Tillies. How good? How good was it? Just the, the Tillies on Saturday night. Edge of your couch sort of business, wasn't it? So I was thinking as we came into this, how could we possibly have a football analysis without just bringing one of our star-studded guests back we after can't. our Thursday show. So we'd like to welcome Berta back to the show. Berta, you there, mate? I am, boys. Thanks for having me once again. Oh, it's Good our honour. No, mate. Uh, thank, fantastic Monday evening. Thanks for coming on. The, the feedback we got was just, you, we need to see more Berta. Oh, we need downloads to through the Berta. roof. Downloads yeah. through the roof. Yeah, unbelievable, well, mate. It, it makes sense. It's, it's the old baseball analogy. If you build it, they will come. Yeah, so um, the football, mate, did you catch much of it over the weekend? Oh, I caught most of it. I absolutely loved it. It was a very fast start to the to the weekend with Arsenal kicking off where they uh, left off at the end of last year. Nice 2-0 win, win there. Yeah. And uh, it was good to see a bit of Ange ball at Tottenham. A bit of Ange ball as well. So b- before we jump straight to the Premier League, Potty, should we start with the World yep. Cup, mate? What's happening there? Mate. Who can oh, the Matildas mate? They're through to the semi-final. Oh, How mate. good was that? And I mean, what fashion they got through in as well. The penalty what? shootout. What was it? What was? Oh, it? I think it was eleven ten. Was 11, it eleven ten? Eleven ten on penalties. Yeah, that sounds about right. I thought it was a little bit, a little bit lower, but yeah. No, I think, I think one, once they got through everyone. Mm. I think, and no, sorry, there must have been 11 takers, but yeah. the, the score wasn't quite, because it almost got through the whole team. I was, yeah, t- we missed Alana Kennedy, so it must have, it must have been 10 takers, because Alana Kennedy didn't, didn't take a shot. Yeah. yeah, and I was having nightmares, because I, I was having flashbacks to David De Gea taking the far, final penalty in the Europa <laughs> League final, which was a nightmare against Villarreal. It was disgusting. No. And so... Um, we're up to semi-final stage now. So we're in our semi-finals, Spain versus Sweden and uh, Australia versus England. Oh, are we looking the forward ashes. to that on Wednesday night? The bashes, the smashes. What are we going to call it? What do you got for us? What are we going to call it? Caught me on the hop here. The, yeah. uh, I don't know. I like the bashes. What do you, I, I like the bashes. The bashes. Yep. Mm. Bashes sounds good. Yeah. The smashes. The sm- oh, mate. Put them all in the bundle. <laughs> Put them all in there. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I, I've been hearing again that uh, the Tillies are smashing all sorts of records. The um, quarterfinal the other night, did you hear, was the um, highest rating um, thing on TV since mm. Kathy Freeman. Yeah, that's a big call too because, I mean, everyone knows where they were when Kathy ran the 400. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was um, yeah. So smashing all kinds of records. We spoke about last week, um, on the pod that you know they've beaten out Origin for the last few years, the AFL Grand Final, but this is just taking it to a whole nother level. Mm. Can we just imagine what the ratings will be like on on Wednesday night? Because at that stage on Saturday, you're sharing the the scene with the AFL, a bit of rugby league. This is just yeah, dedicated Matildas on Wednesday night, like eight o'clock. Kids will stay up. They won't. Have, they won't even have TV ratings for this. It'll. It'll knock everything out. If we're talking statistics too, I'll tell. You, I'll give you guys a stat. Now, it would have broken a calculator how many times my wife asked me what happens next <laughs> in that penalty shootout. <laughs> I'm telling you, dead set. She just sat next to me on the lounge and just every kick. It was like, now what happens? What happens next? <laughs> How'd that go, mate? Oh, it was like. The fact that we won the penalty shootout and I, I enjoyed the, you know, the whole event with, the, you know, hitting the posts, you know, opportunities, sudden death penalties. There's nothing, you know, there's no bigger squeaky bum time than sudden death penalties. So it was enjoyable, but, um, yeah, I did have to repeat myself, that's for sure. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so hopefully this time, um, uh, well, hopefully uh, – on uh, Thursday morning, we're all looking forward to a final as well. Oh, that'll be lovely. That, that yeah, getting getting closer to there. getting closer to that public holiday. Oh, mate. Well, they, have you already noticed that they're starting to backtrack a little oh, bit? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Once uh, once things become a re- reality, it's not like politicians to start moonwalking. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What do you reckon? Can I, go, can I go just a quick question? If, if we were going to go to another penalty shootout, would your wife, in fact, know what happens next if we had to go to a shootout against England? Um, I hope I don't have to answer that question, but I will be certain to answer it if that does become a reality. <laughs> yes, I mean, I, I must say, but there is no better enjoyment than sitting there with your family and just enjoy and just drinking an event like that in. Mm. So, yes, I'm, I'm definitely not whinging about having to answer those questions. Yep. Do you, reckon, do you reckon I got myself out of trouble now? I'd say so, okay. mate. I'd say right. so. Moving on. Well yeah. done. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So what do you, you think of the game, guys? What did you think? Yeah, it was an interesting game. I, I thought um, the Aussies were on top uh, early on and, and had much of the running were um, unlucky not to be up at least one goal, a couple of goals to 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 buy half time. Mm. Uh, and then uh, about the – what – I reckon the 70th minute mark sort of seemed to swing and it felt like France were all over the Tillies basically the last 15 minutes of the match, 20 minutes of the match and then for all of extra time I felt at the death in extra time we were just hanging on for the shootout. Mm. They um, they came, they had their moments, France. What do you think, Berta? Yeah, d- definitely. I tend to agree with Potty. They, um, the match ebbed and, ebbed and flowed. Um, beautiful thing about women's football is there's there's no parking of the bus so to speak they just they mm. just keep going like each team had a had a crack right up to the the very last minute of last seconds of extra time france had a corner to take us take us out oh, but sweating. um <laughs> oh sweating bullets right there but you know just an entertaining game well played like uh i don't know i think someone mentioned that it would be good how australia were coached to 
to go towards their goal and not not turn away from their goal. Maybe maybe Tony can sort that out before Wednesday. Now, speaking of Tony and you're speaking of coaching, and I don't mean to sort of jump away from such a thorough analysis, but did he not look like he was selling bags? He was. He was not. <laughs> like if you compare him to Hervé Renard, oh, well. and we've got a new name for him. He's not the uh, the male model from Mudgy like Kenny Sutcliffe. He's the male model from Massif because he's from Ex de Bain in oh. France, which is uh, on the foot of the Massif, oh. du Massif. So that was uh, beautiful. He's got a he's got a new nickname, Herve. Beautiful, beautiful. Yep. But yeah, definitely. But definitely, um, yeah, uh, Tony. He was he was only a pair of two hands away from being a lad. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, brilliant! Beautiful. Mate. Um, one thing I did notice, um, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it too, boys, was um, Sam Kerr obviously made a massive difference when she came in. I mean, is she not Zlatan esque in the way she plays for every ball? And she has that style about her where she can throw that leg up in sort of that karate style, which just wins the ball and she just holds the ball up like no other in women's football. Mm. I think it just gave us a complete different dimension of the game. What do you think, Berta? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, and Van Egmon, she's, she's played, a, played a role, but as Grego said, was the, the minute Sam came on, it changed the game. I mean, obviously the crowd got further involved because she is a, a, a worldwide superstar, Sam Kerr. But, yeah, the, the touch, the the amount of space that we seem to, to open up out wide once Sam, because Sam mm. was drawing everyone to the middle when she was taking her sort of right-to-left runs. And then Ellie Carpenter seemed to have acres of space. And, yeah, Mary Fowler doing what Mary Fowler does. She's good on the feet, that Mary Fowler. She's got a beautiful one, first touch. Yeah. And, yeah, just opened up wide for us. Yeah, and I think um, yes, you mentioned there about Mary Fowler. She's a young player, but, I mean, her her raw skills are, are you know, top shelf. I mean, it's just going to be that, you know, just that decision-making in the final third that she'll get better with age and, and experience in that, I think, and playing at a, at a decent club mm. over in Europe. Yeah, well, she's, uh, as Potty said, she was unlucky not to have at least one and, and then it started to feel like it just wasn't her night. But um, geez, didn't she make it up for it with the penalty? Oh, she, oh she yeah, wow. that, yeah. that, that wasn't stopping if there, was a net, if there was no net there. That was heading to New Zealand, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, kick, kick it like you hate it, mate. That's yeah. that's the way to do it in the penalty shootout. Um, uh, now we're in the semis. Sam starts. What do we think? I, I would say yes. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, I don't know. It, it depends, I guess, how the fatigue factor sets in from the girls the other night. Do they seems a bit fresher? So do we need do we need to start the game? Obviously, we need to start the game red hot against England. But yeah, I, I'd have to say the way she came on and made a difference. And against the European champions like England, you have to get her on from the get go. The the positive though, like when you think about having to go through the extra time and into the penalties, was it I think Sam ended up getting somewhat near seventy minutes. Yeah, seventy seven minutes. Like I it's yeah, it was, it's yeah. like which is the time she wouldn't have got in her legs had it have been a ninety minute match. Which yeah. is I mean, you gotta you gotta take that as a win. She got through unscathed. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well yeah. yeah. I think she's got to start. I felt like uh, when she came on the other day certainly made a difference, but I also thought it 
seemed to coincide with um, a period where uh, a lot of the other um, Matildas were starting to look a, a little bit fatigued as well. And I, I couldn't help thinking to myself, if she was on at the beginning when they were fresh, maybe there were more opportunities coming as well. So mm-hmm. I, I think they've got to start. She's got to start, is she? If yeah, if she's fit to go in 77 minutes, I'd say she is. It's the biggest game we've had. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, Tony, a.k.a. Bad Boy, he did say that if, if she was fit from the very first game that she would start. So you'd think he'd uh, stay true to that now that we're at the business end. Mm. Um, who do we play in the final, lads? Sweden, uh, Sweden or Spain? Um, poor Sweden. Took out the US. I think they're on a uh, they're they're on a dream run to fall at the last hurdle. Agreed with Potty. Bit of a day with destiny for Sweden. I think Australia Sweden World Cup final. Mm. Sweden versus Australia. Yep. Yeah. Oh, there's um I I forget her name. She's obviously a young player. It's Salma Celeste who plays for uh, Spain out wide. Uh, I mean, she's an absolute weapon. Young young player. Um, she was very, very impressive in the in the quarterfinal match against um, against the Netherlands. She's nineteen years of age. I I believe they call her either Paruella Parulello. I think I've pronounced that correctly. Yeah, yeah. Probably not. Yeah. So she, I mean, she's an absolute gun. She's someone to look out for. Um, I'll give you the hot tip. Yeah. And if you're looking for somebody who doesn't exist, then that's my poor pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, keep it keep an eye out for her. She plays on the on the Billy Sting for uh, Spain. She'll uh, yeah she'll she'll cause them problems the Swedes. But uh, we're I'm going to go for Spain. I'm going to go against the grain here, guys. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, fair fair call. And fair it may call. only be because I saw them beat the Dutch the other day, and I watched the whole game, and it was uh, and they were pretty impressive. They came home strong. So mm. anyway, only time will tell. It certainly won't be England. No, no, no there's no chance. Absolutely no chance. Should we jump into the uh, EPL? Absolutely. A bit of transfers, mate. Because, I mean, I, I, this all leads into something that, that relates directly to our special guest here. Mm. Um, now, there's a fair few moves that are done. There's some still to be confirmed. But um, the ones we can confirm, body. Is Kane to Bayern? Yep, Kane to Bayern. That was that was sort of erupting a little bit of news when we were doing the, the podcast last week, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, straight away everyone's going to jump to the fact that they had the 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 Super Cup, the German Super Cup on the weekend, and Bayern <laughs> lost it. So they're all obviously straight away the Arsenal fans are chirping and saying they've they've caught trophyless from Harry Kane. <laughs> um, so we've got the Caicedo to Chelsea to be confirmed. I don't think it has been done. Liverpool in for Lavia, but we're going to leave them to the last because there's there's a bit more to that. City, mm. Manchester City are in for Paqueta from, from West Ham. That's still to be confirmed. Um, I mean, with Kevin De Bruyne going down with an injury over the weekend, do you think that probably heats that up one, Berta? Yeah, absolutely. He was, uh, according to Pep, uh, he was their primary target, along with Bardiol, for the summer transfer window, and I think they're going to pay West Ham some ridiculous amount of money over over the 100 million euros to go out and chase their target. We all know what City wants. Did he get? Can they afford it? 
uh, did somebody <laughs> did you know? I mean, did somebody say financial fair play? Instead, it's not. Did somebody say KFC? Did someone say FFP? <laughs> Doesn't exist. But anyway, um, West Ham—they're they're actually bringing much, um, you know, despite criticism from our, our fellow guest Cosy, um, they are bringing in players. Ward Prowse <laughs> to West Ham is done. Um, Maguire or West Ham has gone cold over the weekend. It's still apparently on the way through, but it hasn't yet been confirmed by both clubs. Um, I'm not too sure whether that's a an agent's wages thing. I mean, there probably would have been a massive discrepancy in what Maguire was earning at United to what he's going to be offered by uh, West Ham. So that's po- possibly an issue there. Uh, Fred Defenabache is done, another United player on the way out. And um, there was a bit of a sort of a question around. So Thibaut Courtois from Real Madrid has gone down with his ACL. So he's gone down, and um, there was talk of David De Gea going to Real Madrid. So filling in the spot for Thibaut Courtois, David De Gea going there, but it turns out that it looks like it's going to be Kepa from Chelsea on loan. Well, according to the great Fabrizio Romano, the journalist that's got the scoop on everything, Kepa's in Real now um, for a loan, signing a loan deal. And uh, five minutes ago, Fabrizio confirmed that uh, Parqueta to Man City is done, done deal. Wow. So well, that, uh, that's another signing. And also a bit of a Harry Maguire take. The uh, talks are heating up. Agreement to be reached by the end of the day, according to... Oh. Well, Once yeah, again, I, I think it, it was always going to happen. I, I would assume that it's not on the clubs. I would assume it just would have been personal terms and, and an agreement there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, here we go. Gregor just came through. Official Kepa joins Real Madrid. Done. Look oh. at that. I mean, scoops. We're scoops galore here. We're yeah. not. We're not even journalists. Yeah. And we're just. We're just nailing it, guys. You are just value adding here, Berta, mate. You are just bringing the goods. <laughs> now another one for you. So we talked about, and we talked about Wolves mm-hmm. and how things are just falling apart at Wolverhampton. Now, I was made aware that I didn't actually predict Wolves to be in my relegation zone in our podcast on Thursday. And I want to retract that if you guys will let me because I put Bournemouth in there, but I was actually meant to say Wolves. Now, if you're not going to let me, then I'm okay with that as well. No, mate, I'll let you. But I think Wolves, and the fact that now they've set Adama Traore to Fulham, I mean, they're just, it's a one-way door at Wolves at the moment. It's all out. Mm. There's nothing coming in. Did you not have wolves in your relegation? I didn't have them in my relegation zone when I when we did our podcast wow. on Thursday. I I'm regretting that. I'm putting it out there that I would like wolves <laughs> in my relegation zone. <laughs> we'll, we'll, Can I just say that my uh, my top four pick? Yeah, my top four pick looked pretty up on the weekend. Nice little smashing of Luton Town, oh, yeah. Brighton. Well <laughs> And uh, De, De Zerbi gave the cold shoulder to Caicedo. He, he pretty much just said, oh, we don't speak about him. He doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> he's not. Yeah, the quote was, he's not a player at our club, so why do I speak about him? So, yeah, he's uh, yeah. 
he's been uh, cold as ice. Cold as ice. Um, mm. A couple of European deals just to just to wet the whistle, boys. Uh, Neymar to Al Hilal looks like it possibly will happen. Um, Mbappe stays at PSG. Now, this is a soap opera and a half. <laughs> well, this makes me sick. And Usman Dembele, he's gone to PSG. That's done as well. So do you think maybe Mbappe and Neymar might not be uh, on each other's Christmas card list? One goes and the other's now happy to stay. Is Are we seeing some... You know, some Love Island-style storylines come out through the media with some moves here. Yeah, well, um, you, you have spoken about it on the um, the podcast before, Greg. You do like a bit of uh, reality TV, don't you? I love you? it. Yeah. You love it. It's you one of it. my guilty pleasures. Yep. What do you think, Berta? Greg, to add to that, well, to add to that, one player, one pretty handy player left ESG uh, to head into Miami, and the word on the street was that he... Uh, didn't like playing in the same sand pit as Neymar. So I think you're absolutely onto something there, Gregor, that it might be the uh, Brazilian princess that's causing a bit of trouble at the uh, Saint-Germain. Well, possibly too. I'd be off him too if I was uh, one of the bosses at PSG too because, I mean, just that coinky dink of the fact that every March he gets injured for four weeks when he's, it's his sister's birthday in Carnival. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, it's. I, I would get. I would get jack shit of that pretty quick. Um, Especially because you're paying him three thousand bucks a minute. Yes, yes, and I'm not paying him to uh, to dance down the streets of Rio de Janeiro. Uh, but uh, we've got to get to the serious yeah. stuff, mate. Mm. The question that I'm going to pose to the listeners: Does Berta owe the Fenway Group an apology? You were scathing in your assessment on Thursday. And for yep. those who are not in the news and not in the know, they responded. And they responded swift with a world record bid for Moses Cassetto. What do yeah. you have to say about that? Well, two things. I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed that John Henry tuned into the uh, sports detention and took heed of my, my wrath. <laughs> big, the fan, second thing, big fan. Big fan. Oh, absolutely. To act that quickly in the space of merely 12 hours to my demands is, is impressive. But the casino transfer, I liken it to Monopoly. You're not really using real money. We, we were never going to pay $111 million for casino. We just threw it out there tried to appease the fans, and now we can comfortably say the, the, the usual story that, look, we tried, it didn't work, our ideal target's not out there, so we're just going to keep the money in the bank and wait till winter when something else might come up. So they tried, but Stevie Wonder can see they weren't going to spend $111 million on a bang average midfielder. Would you consider that an apology, Potty? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) I I wouldn't either. However, um, there's a bit of a soap opera around this one. So you've got Casado, who looks like he's going to Chelsea, and you've got Romeo Lavia. 
Um, so Chelsea looks like they look. It looks like they're making a play for him as well. But he's obviously Liverpool's top target. So what's your what's we're getting the Tim Foyle hats out here, Berta? What's your what's your theory on that? My theory on that is that Lavia Liverpool bid forty six million, but wouldn't go to fifty. Then all of a sudden, produced one hundred and eleven million to go after Caicedo. Then Chelsea bid for, for Lavia. So we're kind of back to the uh, episode of Love Island here where, <laughs> where John Henry and uh, Todd Bowley are going head-to-head with a bit of a slinging match. Yeah. Um, mm. And obviously Todd Bowley just went, my checkbook's bigger. I don't operate under the financial fair play guidelines. So... I'm going to take my cake and I'm going to eat yours too. Mm. Oh, well. So you're suggesting that the boys just need to shake their dicks because it's over. Oh, uh, absolutely. Like, like <laughs> they will sign Casado. Chelsea have signed Casado. That's, uh, that's done. So they managed to come back in with $115 million, I believe, late last, late last night, which, yep. uh, which uh, according to the uh, expert, they the original reason why they were out there is because they couldn't exceed 110 million uh, at risk of financial fair play rules, thus uh, risking a points reduction this mm. season. But magically, they they found the other five million, and uh, Casido now plays for Chelsea. Good luck to them. Like I said, a bang average midfielder. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, just look at his fantasy score from last year. Year 78 points, run of the mill, one assist, zero goals. Yeah. So I expect more from my DM than that. And we, all but, know um, fa- and we all know fantasy points is what wins your league titles. I mean, we're... <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, he was obviously a fairly handy midfielder, judging, judging by Brighton's uh, defence, but um, he's not $111 million like... Where, 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 we, where was that money when we needed to sign Jude Bellingham? Who is the future of the football club? Would have been the future of the football club, future captain, England international, every accolade mate, we could have had to do Bellingham. Mate, that is one of the most long-winded non-apologies I've ever heard in <laughs> my life. I, I, I love it. I, it's, I can't help but appreciate it, mate. Um, look. Potty, should we get into the the wrap of the week? Otherwise, we could be talking about this all day, <laughs> and we we'd have conspiracy after conspiracy oh, just folded in. Oh, but not that's not to say we didn't absolutely love it. Ah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, let's uh, let's go through the matches. So, um, City kicked us off with a three uh, nil victory over Burnley. Uh, Arsenal two uh, one over Forest. Uh, Bournemouth and West Ham played out a one all draw. Uh, Brighton. No, no, I mean, everyone expected this. Yeah, after, I mean, no. Champions League <laughs> Champions contenders. Champions League contenders. <laughs> Champions League specials, I believe. Yeah. Is what, um, mate, it, it, it doesn't look a bad pick after the weekend. Oh, mate, I got me match of the round, actually. Oh, okay. So we're going to talk about it a bit more then. Mm. Uh, 4 1. And my favourite, 4 1 over Luke. Yep. Uh, Everton went down uh, to Fulham 1 0. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't yeah. it? What? Not as bad as what that looks, though. 
Everton were Everton had the game by the scruff of the neck. Oh, I think they were the better team. I made the same old toffees though. Like I um uh, I watched the replay of that game and they had chance after chance after chance, nineteen shots on goal, I think, mm. and they couldn't put it in the back of the net. So Mope um, started the game up front and um, he uh, couldn't capitalise on opportunities. Dan Juma, I think, came on after 73, 74 minutes yeah. or something like that. So I'd imagine um, uh, tactically uh, uh, Dyche is just trying to get some a uh, bit more fitness mm. in uh, before we see a change up there. But, yeah, it felt like the same old record from, mm. a, from a Toffee's point of view. Did anyone <laughs> catch the game? Um, I just watched the uh, watched the replay, yeah. and I thought, you know, they'll. I mean, it was a it was a bit of a lucky goal from Fulham as well. But that's what Fulham have been doing in recent seasons. They've been picking up quality points. You think you go back to the opening round last year when the pitch was extremely dry down at Craven Cottage, and um, and they held Liverpool to a one all draw. You know, Mitrovic was was immense that day. But was the wind, you know, was it the wind was wind up as well. <laughs> <laughs> or you couldn't imagine they. I mean, it was middle of summer and the whole team had flu. Oh, <laughs> there, there you go. Sorry. So Palace and Sheffield, mate. We, we'll keep charging. Palace and Sheffield. Um, yeah. Uh, one nil to Palace. Uh, Newcastle five and uh, five one uh, over Villa. Mm. So. <laughs> That was the Eddie Howe prediction. We yeah. all said he was getting sacked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Eddie Howe is the new Erling Haaland. That was, that was a result. Um, Brentford and Tottenham, two all draw. Liverpool and Chelsea, one all. And United to take on Wolves. Um, yeah, we've got the morning kickoff tomorrow. Early early podcast this week. Mm, early podcast. That's what it'll do. Um Match of the round, Potty. Who you had predicted, Brighton and Luton? Did yeah. you stick with it? So I stuck with uh, Brighton and Luton. I, I predicted them um, supporting our um, our colleague Berta and uh, his bold prediction of them um, shaping up in the Champions League next year. So mm. I, I thought, you know what, I've got to watch that. And obviously, from the other point of view of Luton's first game in the Premier League, I really wanted to see that. Yep. So um, you know, uh, Luton first game, first EPL goal, uh, but. Really, they uh, they struggled to create a uh, few few genuine opportunities. Managed to score from the spot off a handball, but uh, I, I thought um, Brighton were were pretty impressive. Did did you catch uh, that one, Berta, of your um your specials? Yeah, I, I I thought they did exactly what they needed to do. Rock solid at the back. Um, the the Watford sensation. He came on and scored his first goal, Pedro. So. Now they've got rid of the dead wood uh, in the casino. I think onwards and upwards now for Brighton, the Seagulls. <laughs> he doesn't hold a grudge, this bloke, does he? Oh, this is beautiful. Mate, <laughs> uh, um, match, match of the round, mate. I, I, I thought Luton were better than the score suggests, um, but obviously you still conceded four away from home. Brighton got the points. Brighton looked good. You know, there's not much more you can say about that. Um, I will be interested to see how Luton back up from that. Mm, yeah, definitely. Oh, the, the the romantic in me with uh, the first game, first goal sort of, sort of captivated me towards mm. the um the match of the round. But yeah, it will be interesting to see how they go game after game, week after week. Mm. So my prediction, mate, I had Chelsea versus Liverpool. I'll stick with that. Um, Obviously, without United playing, otherwise I'd probably be biased and select them. But um, 
I thought it was a really good game. Chelsea looked like a, a football team mm. for the first time in probably 18 months. Um, they were, you know, they were better. Liverpool, I mean, they still showed how dangerous they can be. Um, you know, Salah, I mean, for Luis Diaz's goal, Salah's control on the break was, mm. you know, that was prime. Like, I mean, as much as I dislike Liverpool Football Club, you can't help but appreciate you know, skill like that. And the ball through that he threaded through that Diaz just had to get a toe on was was something special. Um, both sides could have scored goals other than, you know, were ruled out for offside. So Chilwell got one for Chelsea that was ruled out and Salah could have got his own mm. uh, as well. So I, I could see it was a good game. I could see where, you know, I know Berta mentioned in the um, – in the preview about his concerns around Liverpool defensively, I thought both Liverpool and Chelsea showed some defensive frailties and were were cut cut up to pieces a bit on the on the um, on the break. And uh, I think both of those sides, you know, although they they have the potential to to score goals, they'll probably leak some goals this season. Mm. Berta, did you catch yeah. the match, mate? Or match <laughs> match of the round, mate? What do you got? Well, like I, like I said, uh, a bit biased this one because I'm a huge fan of end-to-end football like the like the Matildas. So that's pretty much what we got with Liverpool and Chelsea. End-to-end stuff, entertaining match. It was anyone's right up to the last last minute. Darwin Nunes had a would have would have scored a worldie, but his one would have went in in the ninety fifth or fourth minute somewhere around there. But yep, end-to-end stuff, very entertaining. Always. There was the result wasn't wasn't sewn up right to the very end. So, like just watching uh, Liverpool's defence did not do anything to uh, uh, remove my worries. I think we will have plenty scored against us, but uh, who knows? With uh, with uh, 110 million just sitting there in the FSG trust funds, we might be able to go get a centre back. Well, mate. Speaking of Darwin Nunes. I know you mentioned him. Uh, I mean, I my fantasy team took an absolute walloping because he was on the bench. I was not expecting that. <laughs> Jota up front, Nunez on the I, bench. Yeah, I, I did say that on the, uh, so I think, the fantasy rap that they, they will start Cody Gakpo, mm. uh, who actually started as a midfielder, to my surprise. They brought uh, Diego Jota on, but... Nunez, the the trender in the friendlies and towards the end of last season was, yeah, bring him on as an impact player and he'll do his 60, 65th minute substitution and, and, and have at it. But uh, Gakpo, Salah and Jota will be uh, pretty much your, your front three uh, from here on in, I'd imagine. Mm. All right, very good. So Chelsea, Liverpool, Brighton, Luton were the picks of the, uh, the matches this week, mate. Um just a couple of uh, discussion points before we jump into next week's matches, mate. Um, goal line technology. Mm. Uh, one thing I noticed um, in the Matildas game especially, the, I know there was a big one in the World Cup in Qatar, was the ball going over the goal line. What, how, what would it take to extend the goal line technology, which, as we can see from the USA versus Sweden penalty shootout, can go down to the bees, Dick? Yep. Okay. What would it take for us to get it around the perimeter? I'm assuming a lot of money, but yeah. um, I'm just throwing it out there. Anything's possible. Yeah, well, uh, it's probably going to cost a fair whack of coin, as you say. Are, are, are they going to extend that sort of money 
for the perimeter? Is it are they going to see the value in that? What well, do you? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. But considering there's only been two that I can remember, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm an idea. Mate, here. I don't You're hate the idea. I don't hate it. I'm I'm not um, poo pooing it, but I'm just. Uh, yeah, just poo-pooing I, it. I am a bit, I guess. <laughs> what do you think, Berta? Well, what, to the point, what do we actually need it for? Like, are you referring to, say, for example, the other night when French... Well, we, we, uh, nearly French had the, we nearly conceded off yeah, that corner. Yeah. Mm. When, Wendy Renard, yeah, where the ball clearly went out. Well, we do, I don't know. Do we really need the goal line technology when we can simply do a TV replay and, and, and Ray Charles could have seen that it was out and, and we just reversed the decision. Honestly, that was a foot out, like honestly. Yeah, I think you're over sort of anticipating the skills of those within bunkers as opposed to Ray Charles, right, mate. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, well, it, yeah. you've only got to watch 80 minutes of NRL football to know that, um, yeah, I mean, Ray Charles could probably do a decent job up in the bunker. <laughs> yeah, well, that that, uh, that would have been horrendous, but all, it was a very quick square up. Like, yeah, the, the, the goal went in, but, geez, so... Every day of the week in the Prem, Premier League, that would be a, a goal nine times out of ten, don't you think? Yeah. Mm. All right, mate. Yeah. We better jump into next week's next week's matches. All right. Next week's matches, um, uh, Forest versus uh, Sheffield United, Fulham versus Brentford, Liverpool versus Bournemouth, Wolves versus Brighton, Spurs versus United, City versus Newcastle. Villa versus the Toffees, West Ham versus Chelsea, and Palace versus Arsenal. Berta, give us your match of the round, mate. What do you got? Cannot wait to see City play Newcastle after Newcastle's performance mm-hmm. against the uh, against Aston Villa, who we were singing their praises on the last week's show. Man City. You know, cruise control against Burnley, coming up against a, a Newcastle team that's firing. Cannot wait to watch that one. Mm, that's a good one. I'm going to go for old West London Derby, Fulham versus Brentford. I reckon that'll be a cracker. Two teams in form, very under unpredictable. I think it's going to be a good match. I really liked the. I agree with Bert. I really like the idea of City versus uh, Newcastle, but I, but I won't sit on the fence and pick it. I'm going to uh, go put my bias hat on. I'm going to go Villa versus Everton. Villa copped a smacking last week, and um, you mentioned Everton might have been a bit unlucky to not walk away with at least a point. So uh, I'm hoping that um, maybe Villa are just shitter than we all thought. And well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we we did rate them. Yeah. Now speaking of Villa, before we finish up. Um, Unai Emery, we spoke about him. Does he not? Is he not a dead ringer for Mark Strong, the actor Mark Strong? Do you know the actor Mark Strong? If you shaved Unai Emery's head, he looks like Mark Strong, the actor out of Sherlock Holmes. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> I, can, I cannot watch him do a press conference without thinking it's Mark Strong. I think he's in the Brothers Grimsby with uh, yeah, yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen as well. Yep. Do yourselves a favour, listeners. Go and go and Google it up. We'll do oh. a little comparison. You've done it, mate. You've done it. Well done. Mm, I thought I'd just throw that out. Well done. Um, <laughs> right, yeah, that'll do us, guys. Berta, 
we can't thank you more for joining us again. Thank you, Berta. Really appreciate it. Your insight is um, second to none. Second to none. Mm. And, I mean, his unwavering bias towards Liverpool Football Club and his hatred for anybody who knocks him back, I mean, (laughs) is something to behold as well. We love the passion. Rightio. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Too easy, mate. Talk Enjoy soon. your evening. See you. Bye. Rightio, Potty. That's a, a great wrap on the football there, mate. Without further ado, should we move on to the integrity report? Let's get it done. Integrity. This is Democracy Manifest. Potty. We have integrity issues, mate. We do, mate. We do. And it's uh, something close to our heart. It's it's sport. And, you know. The sport. We are the sports detention. So anything to do with sport, anything that's calling in a question, the integrity of sport grabs our attention. Mate, I thought for integrity this week, we'll look at the sports agent. The sports I know, agent. I know there's been a bit, fair bit of chatter. We talked about NRL contracts earlier in the episode. Um However, I just wanted to sort of do a bit of a dive in, um, and this sort of this thought was promoted toward my thought process uh, when I was reading an article about Jerome Luai. So um, we talked about Ben Hunt being off contract, um, not knowing where he's going, and I was sort of going, "Well, you know, you can't have a million dollar player just sort of up in the air like that because you're managing a salary cap." I'm thinking, how does it work? Mm. And then I came across an article which highlighted that, um, you know, it was talking about the likelihood of uh, Penrith re-signing Jerome Luai and saying that, you know, it's probably increasingly likely because Jerome has just recently separated from his management firm. So the fact that he's separated from his management firm means that he's free to negotiate but only with a family representative. He can't sign with another agency. For three months, there's a, a non-compete area there. But they said that they'd be happy to waive that if he was just going to go and negotiate his next contract without any representation. So just family representation or legal representation, not a sports agent. Yep. That would save Jerome a 7% commission on his contract. So essentially, if you go... Well, if you're Penrith, you go, well, we'll give you 7% less because you're not paying your agent. We'll just do the deal. We'll look after you. Yep. And we can take a 7% deduction off the salary cap. I mean, it seems it's obviously seems pretty straightforward, but it's not. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. It just had me thinking about the role of an agent and, you know, really diving into what, the importance of an agent or is there any importance of an agent? What do they do? You know, how do they impact sport as a whole? And, you know, I was, I was actually pretty, you know, pretty interested with the findings. Yeah. What do you got for us on the findings front, mate? So the pros and cons of an agent, what do you, what do you think? I'll throw it back to you. What do you think an agent does? So my understanding or my, I guess my opinion of what an agent does is they uh, liaise with clubs uh, so if we're talking about or franchises, depending on what sport, and they try and work out the best deal they can for their client, which is mm. the player. So that obviously the primary thing there is going to be money, the length of the contract, any additional um, 
factors that might need to consider around, um, I guess, support or anything like that that needs to be included within the contract, uh, relocations, things of that nature. Mm. Uh, So their job is to get um, the best deal they can for the player. Yeah. So, and often our, our thought process goes straight to the professional realm. So contract renegotiations... Um, looking at the upper level, you know, getting percentages of, of a contract as a commission, you know, big business style agency like that. I mean, there's another side to it, obviously, where, um, you know, and this is where I find it gets blurry in terms of the importance of an agent around young players coming through mm. who don't earn any money from their player contract or very little, but use agents as a way of, you know, getting a look in around different places you know sign with me and i'll i've got contacts at different clubs and you know if there's space there for you to you know join join an academy setup or join a you know a a lower grade setup we can we can move you around and get your start different places so there's there's benefits there where you know a player who isn't a professional or a full-time professional might be able to you know use the benefits of having agency obviously with the the idea that if they do become successful and become a professional then they're going to stay with that agent and eventually the agent will cash in on it yeah um yeah i think it's um it's interesting because when i i was i was actually taken aback by when i saw the seven percent because i know the nfl and nba have a three percent cap on their agents fees yeah okay so i'm thinking like you know that's a Obviously, the contracts are much bigger over there. Um, a lot of the contracts aren't guaranteed, though. So, yep. I mean, where does that, you know, that's probably makes it less attractive, that 3% as well, the fact that it's not guaranteed money. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was quite interested in looking at those different percentages as to what agents get as well. Um, you know, what an agent, the pros of an agent is obviously to get you the best deal, to go through the you know, the rigmarole of, of a contract negotiation, you can just focus on your craft. Where it gets pear-shaped is an agent to, you know, have a, a consistent stable and they're running a business essentially, they've got to have multiple players. Mm, yeah. You know, so they're really acting in their own best interest as well whilst trying to manage their stable of athletes to try and ensure that their business is profitable yep. and that they're not working for nothing. Mm. So... Where the where does the line get blurred on what agents do, and are footballers in twenty twenty three or athletes in general in twenty twenty three, do they have access to enough resources that would indicate that they possibly don't need agents anywhere near as much as they have in the past? What do you mean by resources? Sorry, like so knowledge. Yep. Um, you know, having, you know, support networks around you, such as family, uh, those who are experienced in the craft. I mean, it's not hard. It's not hard for me. And I mean, I'm a buffoon and it's not hard for me to get an understanding of player contracts and what people are on or roughly what they're worth. And, you know, to be able to look and go, well, if your talent is undeniable, you got a pretty good bargaining chip there. I'm talking at the upper end. Yeah. And on the lower end even, you know, if you're signing up, I, I've seen it so much with young footballers, you know, young footballers coming through grassroots who play at representative level and like you go, oh, yeah, I've got a manager. What does your manager do for you? Yeah. Nothing. 
They don't do anything. They don't do anything that a conversation that you could have with a coach could have. You know, I was lucky enough, as we mentioned before, to play in a Challenge Cup. I got in that position by sending an email. I've never had a manager. You know, doors will open if you actually just ask a question. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there's this almost this idea that I've got a manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, you know, at the end of the day, is that sh- that does that then become the focus of, and we're talking purely about players, you know, at the on the bottom end of the scale who are trying to break their way in the professional game, does that then become the... You know, the trophy. I've got a manager. They they do my work for me. They do, you know, they work for me, this, that and the other. Yeah, so I imagine if you're a player agent, you're selling a different story. You're selling that you're going to be able to negotiate a better deal with them and you're going to be able to open more doors for them because you've got such a broad range of network and you know this person and you know that person and I know the ins and outs of contracts. So, like, you might think this is a good deal, but did you know this happened and did you know there's this add-on fee? I can get rid of those things for Mm. you. So, yeah. And we talked about it with Blake Ferguson, with him you know, threatening to take action against the NRL for not helping him with his surgeries. And yeah. I said in that at that time, that's his manager's job. Yeah. His manager's meant to be the one looking out for him down, you know, you yeah. need to do this, this and this and check these boxes before you move on to your next deal. You know, so there is a role, but my suggestion is can't someone with a bloody brain around you actually identify that? Like it's not rocket science. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It is It is really, and I know some athletes are just uh, are not as lucky to have good support networks around them. I get that. Yeah. Absolutely, I get that. But to think, you know, you're paying such a, a large commission of your contract to these agents yeah. who, you know, might not really, especially if you're an undeniable talent. Might you know, not that, have your that, best interest. That you're, you're, you know, you're doing them a favour. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, if if my uh, son or daughter was ever in the position where they were uh, 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 very good at a particular sport and they had, you know, clubs or you know something like that throwing big money at them, I'd like to imagine that I could offer them pretty good advice and pretty sound advice about steps in their career. But I also would imagine, and I would consider myself to be a reasonably intelligent person, that I might not know the ins and outs of that business. Mm. So maybe there is a role for both. Yeah. So one thing is, if they made contracts public, which some players, like they do it in certain leagues, the NFL, US sports, generally public. You know, people know what what players make. If they made those contracts public players are probably more likely to go, oh, hold on a second, I can I can connect the dots here. Yeah. You know, I'm 100%. better than this player or yeah. I feel as though I'm at a higher level than this player, he's on this, then yeah. I'm going in for my next deal at that. Like it's it's pretty straightforward but at the NRL at the moment it seems like there's this big secrecy game where any of the contracts, and you'll hear, you know, experts who are in the game such as Phil Gould go, that's not what they're on. Yeah. 
no, they're on way more than that. Or, yeah. you know, they'll make comments like that. So you've got absolutely no idea. So two writer players are probably going to go, oh, yeah, I might need an agent who actually knows a few of these yeah. these figures. But if they were to remove that. Yeah, I mean, that's players, a fair point. Players could save themselves 7% of their wage by actually just going in and backing themselves. And let's be fair income, you know, they say, oh, well, you know, they need to know the ins and outs of a contract. All NRL contracts are the same. You get the same entitlements, you get the same benefits, you got the why do you think they were covering the patch over the last few weeks? Yeah. The RLPA has got the same deal for everyone. You know, so I, I don't get this idea. And it may just be a personal crusade I'm on because I absolutely despise football agents in yeah. soccer. I, I think they are an absolute, you know, you know, they are vermin. Yeah. The way they carry themselves, it is, and I'll, I can. I'm happy to dig into it. It is modern day slave trading. Yeah, football agents, like the way they treat footballers and they move them around the globe, is modern day slave trading. That is that is what it is, and it's all to make a profit for these people. Mm. Like it is crazy what goes on, and we just go, oh yeah, geez, the numbers are getting bigger for the transfer fees. And not realizing what it is doing to young potential footballers in, you know, the middle of Africa, getting dragged to Europe as kids, you know, like it is crazy what goes on. Yeah. Um, when we talk about it, so it's pretty cut and dry in the NRL, NFL, NBA, that like, you know, you got your percentages, they're capped, but football it just go, it gets bizarre so we we've had Berter on he's talked about the the whole debacle with Casado the transfer fee Liverpool going back and forth agreeing a fee so the way it works so in all the other sports the player pays their agent the player so you will pay your agent that percentage that is required and um, that is their commission for negotiating a deal or being the, the mediator of that deal. In football, it's completely different. In football, it is a unique situation where the agent has the ability, if the player signs a waiver, to work for both the player and the club that they're signing for, which is just mind-blowing. So they, the player signs a waiver, the agent then works for the club that is trying to sign the player. He goes and says, all right, I'm working for you because I'm going to try and get the player to come to your club. But then also, too, another club could come in and he signs the same waiver and says, I'm going to work for them as well. So then this bidding war starts going together. The player doesn't know where they're going. They've got a family. They've got you know, all these other needs that need to be met, who wins out of that? Yeah. Right. A big, fat check, millions and millions of pounds for an agent and the club who's selling. Like, it is an absolute disgrace how it works. So when we see that, you know, say, for example, Casado is moving from Brighton to Chelsea for $115 million, I wouldn't be put it too far that the agents are cashing probably twenty five to thirty million of that. Yeah, wow. You know, which is just a filthy amount of money. 
this guy, this footballer, probably has had no intention to wanting to go play for Liverpool. Who's to say that his agent hasn't gone over and tapped Liverpool on the shoulder and said, hey, if I work for you, would you I can you know, I can probably try and get Moses to come on over. And they go, yeah, no worries. We'll get the bid up higher. They bid in at, and make Chelsea pay an extra 15. Who cashes in on that? The agent. The agent cashes in on it. Yeah. And Brighton. Modern day slave trading is what it is. Mate, that is... Um it is crazy to think. So you're playing that with... mind-blowing. Angel Di Maria signed for Manchester United from Real Madrid a few years back. He gets untold amounts of grief from United fans, which is fair enough, okay, because he carried himself in a certain way for the club. He didn't want to play for the club. And like anyone who supports a football club, I love my players to want to love my club. He leaves a year later. So he signs for $50 million. He wanted to go to PSG. PSG didn't get him because United outbid for him. And so his agents go, rightio, kick him out the door. Go on, come on, we're nudging you towards Manchester. Goes there and then a year later he goes, my family can't settle, my wife is about to leave me, she's about to take off. You know, she doesn't want to be in Manchester. We got your deal to PSG. (laughs) So they take him to PSG the next year. Who cashes the two fat checks? The agents every single time. You know, they're in the business of moving their players around because it benefits them. They get the transfer fees. They get the commissions on it. They renegotiate a contract every single time. You know, I talked about Harry Maguire and it being personal terms. You would be absolutely having a laugh if you didn't think his agents were having a problem with the fact that he's going to be earning a hundred grand a week less. <laughs> And that's what's holding up the deal with him going to West Ham. You know, there'd be something in there where they're saying, rightio, well, you know, you might have to give him a lump sum or, you know, we're going to have to structure this in a way that we can all make money. Like, it is it is just crazy. And who <laughs> loses? The fans who are just at home, just want to support their club. You know, they're the ones who lose. Yeah, it, wow. it is crazy. So, yes, I know rugby league is very different. You know, which I do like the fact that there is capping on what you can pay um, your agents. You know, so there's no sort of extortion going on. But it really, really wouldn't make you think as a, as a young athlete coming through is to, if you can't surround yourselves with somebody who could do that job for you and can be a trusted family member or the like and, and save you that money, you need to make a smart decision as to who you agency is or who is your your player agent have they really got your best interests at hand what are they going to give to you that your family couldn't give you bit of an interesting sort of thought on that mate yeah that is an interesting perspective i must say i didn't know uh, the ins and outs of um how it works in in the football world. I mean, I see it from a rugby league point of view, and and sometimes the um the influence that a, a player manager has over a club because of the amount of players that they have at a particular mm. club. I think it was the Broncos a few years ago. There was one particular player manager that eight players and the coach were signed to. Mm. So basically, that player manager had such a huge influence over the entire club because. 
all of their players were there. So they were the one who was in charge of renegotiating contracts. Oh, but you gave this person this and you gave this person that. And you think about it as a fan. Yeah. You know, you're at Parramatta. You know, you're playing for Parramatta. You, you know, your name's Bryce Cartwright. Let's just throw This is just completely hypothetical. You have a big year and you're looking for a renegotiation of your contract. You've proven that you're, you're worth a bit more money, but at the end of the day, you're with a different agency to, you know, say the young kid coming through. Mm. And that agent says, well, you know, if you want Junior Paulo and Mitchell Moses to re-sign because they're coming up for contract this year, I want my guy in the top 30. Yeah. As well, because we think he's ready to go and you're going, yeah, but we've got Bryce Cartwright who's playing out of his skin yeah. and we want to re-sign him. Yeah, we're not going to be able to cater for both. Well, I mean, the Tigers are knocking on the door for Mitch Moses. Yeah. I mean, Junior will stay because he wants to be here, but the yeah. Tigers are knocking on the door for Mitch Moses. What pressure is that going to put on a football club? Yeah. Purely hypothetical and speculative, that example, but, you know... You'd to think that agents, think yeah, to, to think that agents and, I mean, it's the whole Seabold issue. There's been a lot of media talk about sort of his role with his manager and, you know, how that's now appears to be infiltrating at Manly and the like. So, you know, if anything we get from this integrity report is just opening the eyes to the concept of the football agent, not only within rugby league but within... You're, you know, football as a as a sport as well. Um, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty fascinating. It's scary in some some aspects as well. Mm. All right, definitely, mate. Definitely, very insightful that. And uh, we'll obviously keep our um, finger on the pulse of the player agents and oh, keep absolutely. them accountable. I mean, if anyone wants to, you know, wet our beak a little and uh, have us walk in to negotiate a contract, you know. Send us a message. We'll look after you. At Sports Detention, yeah. you know where to get us. We'll, we'll get the best deal for you. We'll, I mean, we'll try our best. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, we just want to get our beak wet. Yeah, 6%. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate, should we get into the sport? Let's go, mate. Mate, there was a few fights over the weekend. Did you catch any of those, mate? Mate, I must say, I didn't get any fights over the weekend. A few dust-ups? Did, what caught you? Was, was there a couple of crackers? Well, they had the UFC fight night. Mm-hmm. Um, that was at the Apex Centre in, in Vegas. Um, so it was Vicente Luque versus Rafael Dos Anjos. So it was a bit of grappling chess match. Um, Luque got the nod. Um, I think he just... You know, ended up outworking, getting uh, getting the points there. Um, so it probably wasn't the most exciting match, uh, but you know they they sort of negated each other early, and then then Luke sort of took over from the third round onwards. Uh, so he yeah he got the he got the win. Uh, there was no issue with that. Uh, Cub Swanson he bounced back from a recent loss. Um, with a decision victory, but at the end of it, he said, "You know, it was a closely contested fight." But he, you know, just said, oh, "I didn't think I won the fight." So, yeah, wow. Yeah, I think if you looked at damage, I, I think you know it's very hard to say. Look, damage. You know, Cub was he, his nose was busted up and the like, but you know, 
yeah, I'd be very reluctant to to say, you know, damage went one way or the other, but it was a very close fight. And uh, Hakeem Dewoto, um, you know, would you know he'd be he'd be un, you know he'd be pretty disappointed to not get the nod there. So um, yeah, and the the third round, the third fight on the card on the main card, uh, Khalil Roundtree with a first round knockout of Chris Dorcas. Um, you know, it was calculated and beautiful that he came out with that that Muay Thai stance that he's. He's acquired over there in Thailand. Um, you know, he's he fights really well. He's a good character, Khalil Roundtree, and uh, yeah, a real dominant um, first round knockout. Chris Dorcas was coming down from heavyweight. Um, you know, I think he's going to struggle to to stay in the UFC. Chris Dorcas. I mean, he's he's game. He goes out there and rips in, but yeah, he hasn't had had much success. So. Yeah, uh, it was mostly decisions in the main portion of the card. Um, you know, but there was some fire early. Um, Damon Blackshear, uh, he got the twister submission. Yeah, it was only the third twister submission uh, that's ever been recorded in the UFC. And, um, yeah, it's sort of a neck crank. It's a it's an odd position. It was invented by Eddie Bravo. Um, yeah, but it's a, it's a cool little position where if you get a, a lockdown, a leg lockdown, a side position, and often, you know, people will try and defend or play with an elbow, and if you can get your sort of swim in, get your arm in and and get the uh, the gable grip around the neck. It's a it's a ripper of a, a neck crank. It's nasty. So, yeah, uh, yeah he got that one. And uh, so Bryce Mitchell's the other one, and, and Korean Zombie was the original, uh, getting that against Leonard Garcia back, I think it might have been like 2011 or something, 2010, 2011 was when uh, the Zombie got that one. But it all goes back to Eddie Bravo. Beautiful, mate. Beautiful. Um, so also too earlier, uh, Dolgarian, uh, Terence McKinney, and uh, McGee with uh, with beautiful knockout victory. So yeah, it was a it was a, a decent card. Um, I I, str- I really struggle with it. I know cost effectively for the UFC to have them at the apex. It makes sense. You don't have to pay the gate. You don't have to, you know, move this show week in week out around the country or you know wherever they're staged so it is a bit more cost effective to just run them out of their apex center but uh yeah there's just very little atmosphere in those fights so it it does disappoint me a little bit but i don't pay their bills (laughs) um so looking forward to ufc 292 mate um, that's going to be a big one. So Sean O'Malley versus he challenges uh, Aljamain Sterling, uh, UFC two ninety two. So that'll be a pretty big fight. Do you know much about Sean O'Malley? No. Yeah. So Sean O'Malley is a, he's a bit of a different cat. Um, he's a very wild sort of striker, very calculated but wild. When I say wild, I say it with all the best intentions. He's um, he's a beautiful uh, and creative striker. Um, so it's it's going to be a big jump. I I you know, if I was picking, I I think Aljamain is rightly you know the the favourite in this one. His grappling is just on a different level, yep. and um, the way he sort of manhandled his opponents in his last couple of fights, Sterling is a worthy champion. You know, he he got the he won the title on a DQ, but uh, I mean, there's been absolutely no questions. You know, he's, he's dismantling of TJ Delashaw and, and then um, Henry Cejudo. I mean, he's, he's just shown he's at, at a different level. So this is going to be a cracking fight. Yeah. It is going to be a ripper. Um, in the uh, co-main event, you've got Zhang Weili. Um, she, she got a massive knockout victory uh, in recent times to put away uh, Joanna Jan Jacek, put her into retirement. She won the title. 
Um, and she defends that against Amanda Lemos. Um, you know, this is it's going to be a good fight. The girls, especially at straw weight, really go at it. Um, Wei Lee has got that that unusual knockout power at that at that weight. So it'll be an interesting fight. Uh, welterweight bout between Neil Magny and Ian Gary. Ian Gary is a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll hear more about Ian Gary. Uh, he's uh, a brash Irish fighter. Have you ever heard of a brash Irish fighter before? Never heard of one, mate. No one yeah. making any waves in the UFC anyway. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, he's, it, it's almost like we're revisiting the come-up in certain ways. And there's going to be a lot of comparison to Connor's, you know, come-up through his rise. But Ian lives in the US. He's trained in the US. He's an absolute consummate professional. He's an absolute character if you follow him on social media. Um, and he's doing it the right way. You know, he's young, he's hungry, and he's a damn good fighter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and uh, to to round off uh, the main card, uh, we've got uh, Cody Garbrandt versus uh, Maura Batista, but I believe that one's been cancelled. It hasn't been removed from the UFC's website, but if I was uh, remembering correctly, I think Cody's uh, fallen out of that one. But we've got uh, Marlon Vera versus Pedro Munoz, and a really, really interesting one, uh, Chris Weidman. Uh, Chris Weidman, for a lot of... The fans may remember him as the one who broke Anderson Silva's leg as he checked his leg kick and then had the same thing happen to him. So uh, he's coming back. He's he's spent a, a while out. He retired briefly, but he's he's got a former champion, so he's he's coming back and he fights Brad Tavares, uh, a veteran. So two vets going at it, and that should be a good fight. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, so that's uh, there's a couple of other... Other good fights are uh, lower on the card, but uh, that's uh, that's the nuts and bolts of UFC 292. So that should be an interesting watch. Um, and that will be this weekend, this Sunday. Yeah. All right, mate. What, what, any other news in the fighting world? Mate, the biggest of news, mate. The biggest of news. Biggest there can only news. be one, can't it? Well, Elon Musk has put out a statement. Now, I, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's getting a bit weird now. Mate, it's getting a bit weird. So have you heard much about the movement between Elon and, and Zuckerberg recently? Not recently. Like, yeah. I sort of thought it was quietening down a little bit. So apparently um, Zuckerberg, he's he's retorted to this statement. I mean, um, so Elon said that the fight will be managed. This is a statement he's put out on, on Twitter, X. Um, the fight will be managed by my and Zuck's foundations, not the UFC. Livestream will be on this platform and meta. Everything in camera frame will be ancient Rome. So uh, nothing so nothing modern at all. I spoke to the PM of Italy and the Minister of Culture. They have agreed on an epic location. Now, this sounds like a massive troll job. Like it's... <laughs> it's Everything done will pay respect to the past and present of Italy and all proceeds go to veterans. I mean, are we talking about the veterans of the Colosseum or what are we, (laughs) you know, how far are we going back with veterans and paediatric hospitals in Italy? So, look, I think if you're genuine in that and there's a a genuine wish to, you know, raise money for certain causes, absolutely, I'm all in. The issue is it doesn't get bigger um, than the UFC, so we've spoken a bit about the agents before and getting our beak wet. I think this fight, if 
it's going to happen, but I don't think it's going to happen because I've got to go into Zuckerberg's statement. It doesn't get bigger unless the UFC promotes it. Just wet their beak. If you wet the UFC's beak, you're going to make more money for the charities, you would think. Yeah, well... Nobody does it better than the UFC potty. So why won't he go with the UFC? What do you think? I think the idea is to just keep it independent. Yeah. They, they've got the ability, the means to put on a production. But I think it's underestimating the, the capabilities or the reach the UFC has. Like imagine Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk putting the four ounces on with the UFC on the knuckles. Yeah. Like that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty cool. You know, that's a lot more different than, you know, wearing just unbranded black gloves and, you know, setting up in the middle of the Coliseum with no one to watch. Oh, Indeed, indeed. So Zuckerberg has apparently uh, came back and he's, uh, it's in a baiting way, has, has suggested that I haven't got the statement with me, but I, I'm completely paraphrasing here that Elon's not serious and, you know, we haven't agreed on anything and I'm, I am enjoying my training. I'm willing and we're ready to fight anyone, you know, and I want to compete. So moving on because Elon's not serious, so... That was sort of where that came from. Yeah, right. Well, will it happen, Grego? Uh, I'm edging towards no. Yeah. If you had asked me a week ago, I would have said yes. I'm edging towards no. You've got to you've got to have the UFC involved. Yeah. If if you want it to be as big as it could possibly be. Oh well, time will tell on that one. Boxing, mate. AJ gets a big win. Mate, it was a beatdown. Um, obviously, massive respect to Robert Hellenius, who stepped in at the last minute because Dillian White, um, there was a, obviously an issue with his his testing, you know, his, his VADA, which is the voluntary anti-doping testing. So I don't know what the issue was, but it was the fight was canned because of it. Um, I don't think there has been much more coming out around what it was, but whether it was a, a positive test or whether there was an issue with, like we've discussed before, with uh, Peter Bowl, you know, just just ratios or whatnot. I don't know what it was, but yeah. Anyway, it was a brutal knockout, mate. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. He didn't he didn't deserve to be in the ring there. Like Robert Hellenius is a you know he's a professional fighter, a good fighter, but you know. I, yeah, it's one of the things in boxing that, yes, you want to fill the obligations and get Joshua a fight, but, yeah, you don't have to beat someone up about it. Yep. Mm, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, so, um, uh, yeah, it was one of the more brutal knockdowns you'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, and it was just, just an old-fashioned bash-up. Uh, mate, moving on to the NFL... NFL. Pre-season uh, week one, mate. Pre-season week one. Uh, went through, uh, most of the teams went through their paces. Uh, we, what are we, I think it's September 8th kickoff. Mm. And uh, that's going to be the Lions versus uh, the Chiefs yeah, kicking yeah. off. the. Um, now, so let's be fair, Dingham, pre-season, I mean, there ain't much happening. Like, you, you know, your, your stars aren't. Don on the jersey, so well they're not don on the jersey. I remember a few years ago when uh, Jared Hayne went over there and mm. um, he was on every highlight reel for carving up in the preseason. It's like well, yeah. preseason, yeah, preseason, yeah. whatever. Uh, yeah, so but it's getting it's getting pretty close now, and uh, we're less than a month away. Seahawks, Rams, 
Mm. First week. Yeah. Well, that's a big game, big divisional game. Yep, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Um, bit of golf, mate. Bit of golf. Did you, you hear about Cam Smith? Yeah, he had a, had a big week in the live. He was yeah. living large. He was living large, mate. He had his second win in five weeks and pocketed a cool $4 million, oh, a lazy yeah. $4 million. But he wasn't done yet because his team uh, picked up the $3 million check for the winning team as well. So he had an extra 750 k oh, in, yeah, in the old skyrocket. And, um, you know, not bad money if you can get it. They should have fined them, though, $6 million for the team name, though, shouldn't they, Grego? We've <laughs> spoken about this. We won't go into it again. Yes. I know it fires you up, mate, but the Rippers? Yeah. Please. Well, Please. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, interesting one, though. You, you said, so what, the $4 million for winning it? I was looking at, um, so I, we were talking about Derek Beaumont who purchased the Lee Leopards. Um, when I was doing my research on Derek Beaumont, they said that his uh, net worth was $2 million. And I was like, well, uh, yeah, I mean, rugby league team, anyone? Yeah, anyone. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm certain it's got to be more than that. I'd, but, have, to, uh, I'd yeah, have to think so. $2 too. million is his net worth. I was yeah. like, oh, that's, that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even though... Yeah, you shout me alone. Yeah, well, well yeah, I, I certainly would take it. But, uh, yeah, I'd have to think he might have a little bit more scratch playing about than $2 million, But I could yeah. be wrong. I could be wrong, mate. Anyway, he just needs to play golf. Yep. And uh, a bit of rugby, mate. What have you got for us? Mate, Eddie Jones has named his uh, provisional 33-man squad and just some, just some news around uh, Quade Cooper missed out um, yep. and uh, Michael Hooper. Um, as well So Eddie's wheel in the axe He's going for a, a, a youthful team um, Also too uh, Max Jorgensen gets a start mm. So you know It's an exciting time He's a good young player coming through um, Father Peter was a Penrith great The aeroplane Peter Jorgensen um, Yeah so it's, uh, it's good to see These young players coming through And uh, at the end of the day, it's going to be disappointing for the likes of Quade Cooper and James Hooper, but at the you know, got to move on. Got to got to keep bringing decent players through. Otherwise, well, and the the argument could certainly be made that uh, they've got to start in the last few matches, and it like results haven't been there, have they? Yeah. So that's true. You know, we might uh might need to might need to look on, look elsewhere. Might be time to move on. Might be time to see what Eddie's big plan is. Yeah, he's got one. Oh, well, no doubt about that. We love Eddie Jonesy. Mm. Beautiful, mate, beautiful. So, that's covering all sport, mate. Should we get into the multis? Multi. Multis, mate. Mate, no chockies for me. It was a, a, a disappointing, um, disappointing run for me. I think I ended up with one from three, so... You know, I just wasn't up to scratch this week. And, uh, you know, I did try to jump on the EPL and, uh, you know, picking the toffees, picking with my heart, Ooh. going for the win. Yes. But I also missed out on um, uh, Sheffield um, versus, uh, who was it again? Sorry, Sheffield versus Palace. I had that as a draw and 1-0 yeah. did me in. So nil. what about you, mate? Um, Matilda's going to extra time, killed off my multi. Yep. Um, Selfish. Yeah, well... I mean, and uh, all good. I, I'm still waiting, obviously, on uh, my United versus Wolves leg. But, um, yeah, I had Man City as well, so I could imagine that 
I'm fingers crossed. Hopefully, it'll carry it'll be two out of three. But yeah, still no good. They're not going to pay you mate for that. Believe no. me. Believe oh, me. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, should we um get to the main event then? Yeah, mate. Get to the main event. Well, mate. Penis of the week. I'm going to jump right in there. My penis of the week. Anyone in Australia who has not gotten Matilda's fever. Yeah, I agree. This is as good as it gets. If you are not keen, if you are not excited about Wednesday after, uh, Wednesday night, then mm. you are a penis. There is no other way to put it. I would suggest that you're not Australian. Well, mate, I think you could well be right about that. Mm. You could well be right about that. Now, mate, you've got an interesting one. Um, yeah, look, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. If you are a flog, I mean, you're a penis, but um, but if you are someone who thinks that they can just write whatever they want to people on social media, especially athletes, you are a penis. Yep. Neil Mopay, like I know Everton didn't get the chocolates, mate. You know, I know the Toffees fan. I sit across the table from one. I know they're struggling at times with the form of their football team. But you cannot write abusive messages to people on social media. The, the, I mean, the disgusting nature of the message. I, I don't even want to repeat it. No, we're not you know, going to go what, into that. What, what was said. said. Um, you know, if you would like to research it further, listeners, you, you know, you'll find many publications uh, running that news story as we speak. However, if you are someone who thinks that you can just write whatever you want to people and it is okay on social media because you have the anonymity or the supposed anonymity of social media, you are a penis. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And unfortunately, Grego, in our um, uh, 21 episode history, this is not the first time that somebody who's been slagging someone off on social media mm. has been given the penis of the week. It is happening far too regular yep. and you are kidding yourself. Yep. Now, Potty, how many friends have you got who write messages to people on social media, athletes especially, that are disparaging or, you know, just not nice. I don't think I have any. Yeah, I wouldn't either. You know why? Why? Because your friends have probably got better things to do with their life. They've actually got a life. Yep. That, that's, that helps. That's a start. Having a life. Yeah. Penises. Absolute penises. Couldn't agree more, mate. Well, episode 21 in the book. Episode 21 in the book. Um, Tilly's fever. Get amongst it. We'll have to thank our, our guest, Berta. Great to, great to see Berta come in for the football chat again with us today. That was appreciated, mate. Your uh, expertise, your knowledge, your passion is just. Second and none, as we said earlier. And we're, his we're complete inability to apologise. Yeah, I mean, mm. we love that as well. Mm. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are done here at Sports Attention. And for any of our listeners in Kellyville, home of the Bush Rangers, we say good night. And farewell.